0: <laughs> I'm glad you are. You 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 put together innovation and it's fun and I'm glad you're doing what you're doing in and-
1: Yeah, I'm sure we will, Michael.
0: End of days. The freedom of speech is being taken away.
2: they,
1: they die. I you believe
3: if you don't read the newspaper,
0: you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're missing more. That's a
4: great question. What is the
0: Was it nineteen ninety-seven, Michael? Anil? And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day. From all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael and I'm a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you those conscious coma inducing vibrations. First time listeners turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show. A place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Live and direct right now on the TuneIn Radio app. Search End of Days and you'll find the 24-7 network. Catch the podcast rendition on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud along with Google Play my guest tonight is jenny ashford jenny is a horror writer graphic designer her books include three novels short stories and articles she's been on multiple programs and now she returns here tonight then after the break dr albert taylor joins me once more i'm not sure i actually need to introduce mr dr albert taylor here born and raised in southern california Albert Taylor performed development engineering on multiple top-secret programs. He evaluated satellite system designs in support of former President Reagan's Strategic Defense Initiative, that's SDI. Taylor's artwork also has been exhibited in Southern California galleries. In 1992, he also developed two prototype computers. He started a company called Phoenix Computers Systems, which he still owns today. Very interesting. I didn't get a chance to talk to him much about robotics the last time he was here. He also brings something very special to the table this evening. Mr. Taylor is also very interested in the paranormal, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking a lot about here tonight. He brings EVPs with him, just three, but those three are actually very entertaining. So once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your mind. Here we are again on a night like this. Welcome back to another edition of the Michael Deacon Program. Here we are together again like a big, happy, dysfunctional family. For those who are new in attendance, let me take a moment to reintroduce myself to you now. My name is Michael, and I am the host and producer of this very... Very unique program. This is a Call-In Show. Please feel free to call in whenever your heart's desire. I'm always willing to talk to you for better or for worse. I won't hang up as long as you stay focused. I'll be answering the 760-332-8947 line here tonight. That's 760-332-8947. Go ahead and add me over Skype. That's end of days. Mike with the letter Y and not the letter I and Mike. Packed house here tonight. Two souls join us here. I've interviewed both in a past life. Always good to get an update on both of these individuals here. Always fun to talk about the paranormal and astro projection. Always fun. Let's see what's going on with my first guest now. Jenny, are hello. you? Oh, there you are. Jenny. Jenny, what's going on? Hello? Hello, hello. Oh, okay, there we go. You can hear me? I'm, I'm good now? Yep, yep. Perfect. So, h- how are you? It's, it's been a long time since you've been here on on this program.
3: Yeah, I know. I'm doing really good. How are you doing?
0: Fantastic. I can't complain. Always nice to get an update with you. So, what's going on? The last time we talked, you were working on a new book, and now it seems like it's here.
3: Yes, now it's out. Um, I just finished a book called The Unseen Hand, A New Exploration of Poltergeist Phenomena, and uh, I spent a really long time working on it, researching all of it. I'd been wanting to do it for a while because I had done, um, you know, the Rochdale Poltergeist, Mammoth Mountain Poltergeist, and I had done kind of books about one poltergeist case. So I kind of wanted to do sort of a definitive book that would be kind of like, you know, a collection of, you know, all the best-known poltergeist cases throughout history, right. even some more obscure ones, you know, mm-hmm. that maybe weren't as well-known. And kind of just put them all together in one place. Cause I feel like there hadn't really been a book like that in a while. And, uh, you know, so I kind of wanted to do kind of an updated one stop shop kind of book for people that were interested in that kind of. Hello?
0: Hello? Sorry about that.
3: Oh, okay, woo, that was weird.
0: Yeah, technology does not like me here tonight. <laughs>
3: But, yeah, yeah, I guess isn't that weird because I feel like last time I was on, we were having all kind of weird technical difficulties too. It must be that poltergeist thing again,
0: yeah, it's been happening quite often here, and I think now I've fixed the problem,
3: Oh, okay, I know it sounded like it sounded like my own voice coming back at me again,
0: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you should probably be expecting a little bit of feedback, but now, um it should be fixed, okay, cool, <laughs> yeah, so you know i I should I should uh retract here and first have you introduce yourself formally to those who never heard of you before jenny can you tell us a little bit about yourself here
3: okay um my name is jenny ashford and i actually started out as a horror writer and i still have you know a lot of horror fiction available but a few years ago i started writing paranormal non-fiction um mostly because of my boyfriend tom ross who had a rather uh exciting poltergeist uh experience when he was a kid. We got to talk
0: about that, yes. Yeah. Always fun. <laughs> well, where is Tom anyways?
3: He's actually in the other room. He's probably watching TV. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can get him if you want, but
0: uh maybe later yes. on we we could bring him on here because Yeah, that'd
3: be, he would like that. He
0: yeah, like always that. good to talk to him too. Um yeah. la- last time he was um vaping nonstop here and everybody was wondering what's he vaping on you know everybody wanted to know
3: it's so funny too because we do a podcast called 13 o'clock and he can't like i can i can stop vaping for long enough for us to record the podcast but he cannot so he has so every time i'm like you know going through and doing the sound on the podcast i'll be like
0: (sighs) where people like what is that yep (laughs) everyone always wants to know what what's that sound
3: yeah, yeah. Sounds like Darth Vader is like coming in behind <laughs> us while we're recording the show.
0: <laughs> scaring, scaring people there.
3: Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so. And, uh, so anyway, so I've written, um, several paranormal nonfiction books, Rochdale Poltergeist, Mammoth Mountain Poltergeist, uh, House of Fire and Whispers, and my newest one is called The Unseen Hand, which is kind of, you know, a compilation of pretty much every poltergeist case I could, I could find you know, through my research. It's like a hundred, I think it ended up being like 120 something cases. And, uh, cause every time I would research one, I would find like five other ones and I was like, Oh, I got to add this one too. And I got to add that one. So it's, it almost ended up being like an encyclopedia pretty much every poltergeist thing I could find like back to the first century.
0: <laughs> yeah. You compiled a lot of material for that. Yeah, uh, I liked yeah. it by the way. I, well, I didn't get a chance to read all of it, but I, yeah. I definitely went through a few chapters there and I thought it was very interesting. Well, you thanks. you have a very good style of writing. Thank you. Uh, yeah, not everyone has that style of writing because, as you know, everyone has the attention span of a gnat.
3: Yeah, uh, I know, and the, <laughs> it's kind of funny because it's funny because I do um I do my own audiobook versions, so you know I read them myself. And when I'm writing it, I don't really think about it, but when I'm reading it aloud. I'm like, wow, I sure do use a lot of commas (laughs) like you know, these huge compound sentences. Because when you're reading them out loud, you know, I'm like, man, I gotta swallow or I gotta take a breath or something like that. I'm like, why didn't I put a period there? But you know, that's just how I write. I'm very long winded.
0: When when was it when you realized you wanted to be a writer, anyways?
3: Um, gosh. That's it's pretty much all I ever wanted to be. I mean, I remember um, a time when I was, like, real young, when I maybe wanted to be an artist or maybe a veterinarian. Like, I remember wanting to be a veterinarian. But once I was, like, old enough to really be, like, I know what I want to be when I grow up, that's all I ever wanted to be was a writer. And honestly, the, you know, when I really wanted knew that's what I wanted to be was when I first read uh, Clive Barker. When I first read the Books of Blood, uh, his you know, his short stories and yes. stuff like that, like, that's what I wanted to do. I want to write, like, that. You were sold. Yeah.
0: Right on. Yeah. So all this obviously, so, so obviously was, you you take all the I guess you could say traits of a writer you you smoke and drink. <laughs> and I don't mean that in in a
1: quit
3: smoking.
0: I don't mean that in, in a way that's negative. I mean all the best writers did.
3: We did, yeah. I still drink a lot, but you know, was, okay. we had to, I mean we me both had to quit smoking. We had, we both had to quit smoking. We were getting to the point where we were hacking and coughing and it was Ooh. wasn't healthy anymore. We're getting old. So, you yeah. know, we, we quit about two and a half years ago, but yeah. that's why we're, that's why we vape all the time.
0: That, that's a better alternative for those it who is. want yeah, to save their, got, it
3: can't be, it can't,
0: save their, save their lungs fair. unless you, well, you know, there, there was that strange case going on for a while where people's pens were blowing up on them.
3: Yeah, that does happen on occasion. Uh, we've never had that happen. We did have one, like an old one. We hadn't bought it, but it was one that someone found and like gave to us and, The, uh, one of the batteries kind of, it didn't explode, but it just kind of caught fire. They were like
0: blowing up on people's (laughs) faces, by the way. It was pretty crazy.
3: Yeah. I, I don't know. I kind of worry about it sometimes, but then I'm like, meh, you know, it'll be all right. I wonder (laughs) if, is it, is it
0: because they were overheating? Is that why they were blowing up?
3: Probably, yeah, that's probably what it was. Generic, perhaps. You have to kind of watch it because. You know, it depends on what kind of, you know, what kind of uh, wattage it's got and what kind of batteries it's got. And it's like it's super technical. And I don't like Tom's really into that kind of stuff. And so he's the one that buys them and he's the one that kind of sets them up for me and everything. Because I'm like, well, just does it vape and does it taste good? Then, okay. But he's like all into like, well, it has this many batteries and all that. You know, he's like,
0: like Yeah, yeah, he's really deep into that. understood.
3: Yeah, he really does get very into his gadgets. <laughs> well, as long as it doesn't
0: blow up on you guys, that's that's all yeah, that matters. Yeah, I, I hope it. Is. I'll cross my fingers for both of you.
3: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs>
0: for sure. So you've you're you're uh basically now focusing primarily on writing about poltergeists, correct? Or are you still open to write about other subjects?
3: Well, it's funny you should say that because I mean, as soon as I got this poltergeist book done. Um, I was actually thinking about doing another poltergeist film, but in a way I was kind of like, God, man, it's like I really want to write about something else now. And for a while I've been thinking about doing, um, like, uh, true crime. So actually the next project I'm going to do is actually, and this is it's stupid ambitious of me, but I think I can get it done. Uh, I'm actually doing a three-volume compilation of unsolved murders from the 20th century.
0: Oh, that's cool. And-
3: and I'm just going, so I'm going like year by year, like 1900, 1901, and all the way up to 2000. And, uh, you know, I made, I made the outline already and stuff like that. So I was going to do it all in one book, but then I realized that it would be like a thousand pages long. So, uh, so I think I'm going to do it in volumes actually, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> but that's what I've been, that's what I started working on just recently.
0: Very cool. Nice. So yes, how exactly did you, Get introduced to the subjects of ghosts and UFOs. Was this something you discovered early on?
3: Well, um, sort of. Like I was always into ghost stories and horror and stuff like that. Um, when I was a teenager, I was I really got into um, you know, like the old school uh parapsychology type books, you know, by William Roll and Hans Bender and guys like that that you know that actually went out in the field and investigated. Like all these, you know, kids where stuff was flying around, and I thought that was pretty cool. I wasn't sure if I believed it or not, but, um, you know, I thought it was pretty interesting, and I was kind of into, you know, I was real into In Search of and all that kind of stuff. And then, then I kind of lost interest in it for a while. I got more into, you know, hard science. I got more into writing horror fiction and stuff like that. But then, um, you know, when I met Tom, and he kept telling me that's when it campus, happened. Yeah. He see. kept telling me about this poltergeist experience. And I didn't believe him at first. I was kind of like, "What? Well, you know, that's whatever. I don't believe you. But, um, you know, the more he kept telling me, he's like, no, I'm serious. It really happened. And, and all this other stuff. And I was like, well, okay. And, you know, then I talked to his relatives who'd also had it happen. And I was like, maybe there's something to it, you know, and then we started talking about it. And then you know, one thing led to another and I ended up writing a book about it just because I thought it was an interesting case. It was really creepy. And, um, yeah, you that's- know, then, that kind of, you know, then that kind of got us mm-hmm. talking to, you know, Steve Mara, the British parapsychologist. And, um, you know, we made friends with him and he started telling us about his cases that he had studied, that he had, uh, investigated. And, um, you know, he asked me if I wanted to write about some of his cases. So I was like, well, sure. Why not? And so, you know, I just kind of got. Involved in the whole, uh, in the whole field, really. It's like, I don't know, I don't know if I'm so much into like ghosts as in, you know, uh, the ghost of a dead person, like that's come back and stuff like that. But I really, I'm kind of intrigued with poltergeist phenomena. You're a bit of a skeptic.
0: It's okay. You could say yeah, that. Yeah,
3: because, well, worry. because poltergeist phenomena seems like it could be like some kind of Psychokinesis or something like that, that living people are doing. And that really interests me if, if that's the case, which, but, you know, the, the new book I've written. Yeah. That's the I kind was, of attack I, took I
0: was just about to mention that in your new book, you sort of cover that in your book. Yeah. You, you kind of have different explanations, different theories. And I thought that was actually really smart of you to do because some folks don't actually do that
3: yeah I mean, I wanted that to be kind of like I mean, you know, I'm not saying that I know for sure that that's you know what caused all these different sure things. it's not
0: a definitive answer, but yeah, yes. and
3: I mean, some of the cases in there, um, and I pointed it out when I thought they were I mean, some of the cases in there were pretty much uh known to be hoaxes or were discovered to be hoaxes later on, but um you know, I wanted to put that in there just as a kind of, you know, contrast with the other cases. And I also put in things that maybe aren't, you know, classically referred to as poltergeist. Like, you know, the the last um, section of the book is actually about, you know, quote-unquote demonic possession, like cases of demonic possession. Like, uh, you know, for example, Roland Doe, the kid whose case The Exorcist was based on, um, which most people, I think, see as demonic possession, but in a way, I think, You know, if it happened as reported, then that could be just that could be poltergeist activity. That could have been that kid just doing that, you know, with some kind of psychokinetic energy. And that was just but demonic possession was how it was interpreted because, you know, his family was religious. And, you know, so that's what they believed. And so that kind of thing intrigues me because I always I always thought it would be really interesting if if this kind of psychokinetic poltergeist activity existed It almost seems like it acts the way you expect it to act. Like if you expect it to act like a ghost or a dead person, then that's what it acts like. If you expect it to act like a demon, then that's what it acts like. Mm. So that was kind of the spirit I approached the book in. I see. So maybe, so that's why like a lot of the cases that are in there, people are like, well, I never heard of that like, you know, talked about as a poltergeist case, but that's kind of the lens that I was using to focus all these cases and saying, well, yeah, there, maybe, there's a maybe lot. this. No.
0: There's a lot in there, by the way.
3: Yeah, yeah, there really is. There's a lot <laughs> I've
0: never even heard of.
3: Uh, yeah, there were actually, like I said, when I was researching, I mean, you know, all of all of the real well-known stuff is in there. You know, Enfield is in there and, um the you know, is in there yeah. and all the stuff that, you know, if you just had some kind of, like, rudimentary knowledge of poltergeist activity, you would have heard of them. But like I said, the more I researched it, you know, the further down the rabbit hole you go, you, you know, I was just coming up with like all these other. I'm like, gosh, I never heard of that case. And oh, my gosh, I never heard of that one either. And then I would have to research this other one. So, you know, eventually I had to get to a point where I had to stop looking because I just found so many. And I was like, well, I can't put them all in here. or This book's never right. finished. finished. <laughs> yeah, the, the chapter
0: that caught my attention was, of course, Violent Poltergeist. That, that was pretty good there.
3: Yeah, that's pretty much. That was actually my favorite uh one to write, just because you know I know it's a lot of terrible things happen.
0: So well, sure, it's, it's terrible, much. but it's very interesting though because it
3: is very. Yeah, it you is don't very hear very too
0: too much about that sort of thing.
3: Yeah, yeah, and you know you don't usually hear about poltergeists killing people. Uh, but there have been a couple of cases. I mean, you know, there was that one case in Brazil in the
0: 1960s.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I was know, just going to say that up
3: killing herself. Do
0: you believe 100 percent of. about that, about that case there?
3: Do I? Uh, I'm not really sure. Like a lot of these. I mean, you know, as you know, I've been on the show before and stuff like that. I am a skeptic. And so I kind of approach a lot of these cases as I mean, if a lot of, um, you know, authorities that didn't have a reason to lie or make anything up, if a lot of them went to this place and saw, it, it's like, yes, we saw this particular thing. And a lot of them said that independently of each other, then I'm going to give that a lot more credence. Um, but I kind of wanted the book and you know, my skepticism does show through in some of the cases. I tried to kind of keep it neutral. You know, I wanted to <laughs> yeah. pretty much just, yeah, I wanted to pretty much have, well, this is what the witnesses said they saw, you know, and that, and I wanted to kind of keep editorializing out of it. You know, other than cases like Amityville, for instance, where, you know, someone came out later and said, no, they made it all up.
0: Yeah, I just, that's one I don't believe.
3: Yeah. See, I mm-hmm. don't really believe that one either. It's like, I'm not saying it couldn't have happened. Entertaining the said, story but, though. Yeah. So, you know, the, the Brazil one, you know, could that have happened the way they said it could have? Um, I'm kind of keeping neutral about it.
1: Hmm. 50 50, huh?
3: I wasn't there, you know, so I wasn't sure. I just kind of, I just kind of wrote what they said they saw.
0: And the most popular, well, one of the most popular one I'm seeing in front of me is the haunting in Connecticut.
3: Yes. Um,
0: any, what's your take on that?
3: I kind of feel like.
0: Did you see and the it movies. It's
3: funny because I first heard of this case. I had actually heard of this case before the fictionalized movie of course. Of it came out, right? Because I, you know, I'd seen it on, I think it was on Paranormal Witness or A Haunting. It was one. Of, it was on one of those shows. And so I started mm-hmm. researching it, and I wasn't sure I bought it when I saw, um, when I saw it then. And I was like, well, maybe, you know, maybe a couple little like poltergeist type things happened, and they just embell- embellished it or whatever. Um, the more I read about it, the more I kind of thought that they were probably trying to pull an Amityville in the sense that, um, you know, they said, "Oh, we're moving into this house that used to be a funeral home," which it was. That's that's true. That's
0: true. Yes.
3: Um, but I kind of feel like, you know, they had they kind of had dollar signs in their eyes, like when they moved uh, into yes. the house. They said, "Oh, all these paranormal movies mm. are coming out, and we could maybe, you know." And I'm not saying it's ride it's the a wave. Change, but yeah. I mean, it's a shame what happened to their son. I mean, their son did actually did have cancer and, um you know, that that was bad. And their son was actually hospitalized for I, I believe it was schizophrenia at some point. But I'm not sure how much of that story I believe.
1: Right. I, I don't blame you. Know, you.
3: Even, even if little even if little things happen like, oh, the cross is turned over, you know, or they saw shadows or something like that. But I think they kind of hyped it up a lot just to make it a better story. Yeah. You know, That's and what even, do. And, and the guy that wrote the book that the movie was based on said that, that they had made it up.
0: Yeah. These people are known to fabricate their stories. We all know yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, another thing that caught my attention just recently was an alleged haunted doll that is, um, put up on eBay currently as we speak for $295. And there's seven bids currently on this doll and allegedly it's haunted. What's your take oh. on on haunted dolls and haunted possessions in general?
3: See, I don't know how I feel about that. I almost included um the Dibbuk box in the Boulterface mm. book just mm-hmm. because I like that story, but I don't think it. I don't know if there if, if there can be a haunted thing. You know what I mean?
0: Um, I, I feel yeah.
3: Yeah, I'm skeptical like, myself. Like,
0: huh? I'm pretty skeptical myself.
3: Yeah, I mean, I know they've had the haunted doll thing. I think even the Warrens investigated that one. Wasn't it an Annabelle or something like that? Yes,
0: Annabelle, the very popular 2014 yeah. film. Yeah. Um, you know, horror films definitely have been on a rise lately.
3: I have noticed that, yeah. It's and sad because I, ha- I haven't got to see a lot of uh, the newer ones. I, I, I don't know why. I've I've, I've wanted to. For some reason, I always just end up, whenever I'm in the mood for a horror movie, it's always like, I want to watch an old one. I don't know. Yeah. The 70s, I'm into the 70s mm-hmm. ones. I don't know why that is.
0: <laughs> the newer ones aren't that great, by the way, but I like to really, I guess you could say, suspend my disbelief there for a great while there.
1: Yeah.
0: Try not to complain too much. Just try to see it as for what it is, because I know if I look at it in a critical manner, I'm going to hate it.
3: yeah. I must say I do like um, the trend lately that's more toward kind of low key, more like seventies horror movies. I think they're kind of getting away getting away from, you know, the kind of the jump scares and all that kind of stuff that sort of dominated the field in the nineties and two thousands and it almost mm-hmm. seems like they're going back in a more atmospheric Direction, which I kind of, you know, with like uh, it follows and the Babadook and stuff like that, which I actually liked. I know a lot of people didn't like it, but I, I
0: kind of did. did like that. It was kind of creepy.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I and I like that they're doing more, um, you know, it was just more stylized and more, you know, it's like more metaphorical, I guess. And I like that better. I kind of, you know, I, I like slasher movies too. Like, I I, I like big, stupid horror movies, you know, as much as the next person.
0: It's just... Well, that's what they usually are.
3: Yeah. Like, I can watch that it's entertaining, but, you know, I I tend to like the ones that are just real low-key and creepy that don't show a lot, you know, that... Some
0: people can watch that, by the way. They are mortified. (laughs) They can't see that at all. They just tune out. Yeah. And I get it though. I get it. Some people are very sensitive. Some people can't watch the news. Some people can't do this or that. I I get it.
3: Yeah. I guess so. I I don't know. It's it's hard for me to understand because I've always liked horror movies and they've never bothered me.
0: Same. I'm yeah, someone who so. grew up watching Faces of Death. Yeah. At an early I, age. I mean, do you do you remember that?
3: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Those
0: videotapes. My goodness. And what, what was I doing watching that? I should I should say that first of all. No business. I, I must have been what, like six, seven years old, perhaps.
3: Yeah. Wow. I mean, I was pretty young, but I'm because you know it was the 70s and 80s. It's like my my parents were. I was like, I liked horror movies, and I wanted to go to the video store, and I was like, can I see Microwave Massacre? Can I see, you know, all these like slasher movies and stuff? My parents are like, sure, whatever. They didn't really, uh they rented it for me. They didn't care.
0: I also it, I also must. I, um, handle it. <laughs> I gotta confess here to you that I I enjoyed Ash versus the Evil Dead that TV series.
3: It you know what I haven't I'm gonna sit down and watch it. It looks good though. It's
0: pretty. It's pretty, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But I like Bruce Campbell so much too. I do so. too. He's
3: so awesome. I was like anything that he's in. I I can watch it.
0: Yeah, I dig I'm him. He's, really super entertaining. He, yep. <laughs> he's he's entertaining as always in this. By the way.
3: Yeah, so I mean, so favorite, catch that. you know, he, I'm still, I was thinking the other day, we were watching Bubba Hotep, and he was so good in that. That is such
0: a great mm-hmm. movie. <laughs> Underrated movie, by the way.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: So out of all these cases, let's say, let, let, let's bring back the violent poltergeist uh, stories here. Out of all those cases, which one would you say is the most credible and believable?
3: I'm going to say... Probably uh there's some of the British ones that I think that are actually kind of recent. Um maybe the Stockport poltergeist um was fairly I feel like that that was probably pretty believable. Just because I mean it was investigated by a parapsychologist. Um the people In ninety eight, by the way. It was what? Nineteen
0: ninety eight. Yeah. Yeah, it it was,
3: um, it was a single mother and her twin daughters and they were clearly not having a good time. They were not making this up for attention. They were not, I mean, they were terrified. They were all living in one room in the, you know, in the downstairs of their house. Like they had just pulled everything, like the phone and all their snacks and all their beds and everything into this one room because they were all scared to like go into other parts of the house. And, um, it actually allegedly uh, pushed one of the daughters down the stairs and broke her ankle. So it did other kind of violent things like that. It's you know it threw that's things a nice, around.
0: That's a nice. souvenir.
3: Yeah. So that yeah that was one of the, one of the more violent uh, cases in there, other than the one where the where the girl died. But yeah, she was, she was one of the few people that actually had her bone broken allegedly. By a poltergeist that was, supposedly pushed her down the stairs. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> that's not a good way to go out.
3: It's yeah, it's real.
0: Yeah, I'm kind it, of
3: hoping. I mean, the one we have in our house now, I'm kind of hoping that, hmm. that doesn't that it doesn't do anything like that.
0: <laughs> do tell.
3: Um yeah, well, here's the thing, and like I said, I think I've been on, you know, I've been on the show before, so I'm sure I've probably mentioned this, but um, you know, Tom's poltergeist, which I think is just him. I think it's just his psychokinetic activity.
0: Yeah, let's get into that. It acts up every now and then. Mm Mhm.
3: Um, it doesn't usually do anything really uh spectacular, super splashy. Usually, it just turns the TV on. Um, you know, TV comes on by itself all the Mm. time. Uh, it'll move things. Um, it'll put things like in weird places. Like the other day, it took my car key. I was looking for my car key so I could go to the grocery store, and I could not find the car key anywhere. And there was no place it could be. I mean, I just used the car. It's like it's usually on the table in the bedroom. It's like I don't ever put it anywhere else. Right. And we tore the house apart. Of <laughs> this, and I'm like, yeah. where is the key? Where is it? And then all of a sudden, we were in the closet, and Tom turned around and looked on the floor, and it was sitting right there. Wow. In the middle of the closet floor, and we had just looked in there, and I yes. think they guys and and I yelled at Tom because I said that is your poltergeist, and it knew that I was getting mad and I was getting frustrated and I wanted that key back. So I You're said, probably it's just right, not that. yeah, but Jeez. you know, it it throws things around every now and then, but it's not it's not super violent, it's not scary.
0: So this is the <laughs> Mammoth Mountain poltergeist, correct?
3: Yeah, uh, yeah. It's the it's the redux of the Mammoth Mountain Polder Guys. It's not evidently I wasn't there for the original, you know, uh show that it gave. That was in nineteen eighty two and that was before I met him. But uh evidently he said, Well it was a lot better back then, like it did mm-hmm. a lot more impressive stuff. <laughs> like now it's just every now and then, oh it turns the TV on, oh it opens the garage door.
0: <clears> I know, wonder why stuff, you know. Wonder why it kind of sizzled out like that.
3: I'm not really sure. I I kind of think. Well, Tom's theory is that
0: he kind of like liked he, it so much, and now it doesn't doesn't like the fact that Tom likes it now.
3: Maybe, or or he said he's like maybe because um, I'm aware that it's me doing it, uh, okay. so it makes it harder to do it. And he's like, and also I think it's easier to do it when you're a kid. That's why so many poltergeist cases. And you know, if you look in the book, almost every single one of the cases With kids there was a kid, yeah, it was a kid or an adolescent. So it almost seems like it's easier to occur when a kid or an adolescent is around, and I don't think that's necessarily because they're all faking it. Right so <laughs> it's something to do with some kind of puberty energy or something.
0: Right, and you also experienced something yourself, correct, when you were writing that book? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and tell tell us about that.
3: Well, the first thing that happened, it's funny because when he first told me about the case, I had never seen anything like remotely like that which is why I had a hard time believing him when he told me all of these things that had happened. Because, I mean, you know, if you read the book, some of the stuff is, like, amazing. And he's like, it's happening just in front of your face, and, you know, and it's really unbelievable. And he kept telling me, he's like, I wish you'd seen it. I wish you'd seen it. I'm like, yeah, me too. That would have been awesome. And then one day we were, well, it was one night. It was a Sunday night, and we were sitting in the living room, and two of our friends was uh, were here, and Tom's mother was here. And we were messing around with the – uh we were trying to get a pay-per-view. We were trying to watch Mad Max Fury Road and uh, on the pay-per-view. And we couldn't get it to work and all this other stuff. And Tom's mom called the, um you know, the customer service or whatever to get it to work. And then all of a sudden we're all sitting around and the remote control for the TV picked itself up off the coffee table and threw itself across the room. And it was weird because for a second I was like, huh, what was that all about? And then like I looked at our friends who were sitting perpendicular to us and they were looking at me and their eyes were just like as big as dinner plates. <laughs> and wow. They were like,
1: yeah, I they were, like
3: did you just see out. that? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, but for a second it didn't register as weird. I don't, I'm not sure why. So I was just kind of like, oh, that just flew off of there.
0: <laughs> you just went with the punches, huh? Rolled yeah. The I just kind of did.
3: And then, and then like a second later, like I turned to Tom who was next to me on the couch. I'm like, did you do that? And he's like, oh, yeah, I guess it was me, I guess. And, then, you know, and then it was just that was kind of all there was. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe that. that he's like, yeah, that's what it was like. He's like, he's like, it was a lot more oppressive than that when I was a kid. But he's like, you know, that's what it's like, though. It's just all of a sudden it's stuff, stuff just picks itself up and throws itself across the room. And the weird thing was that when it hit the floor, it didn't, you know, it's just like a plastic remote control. It weighed sure. a couple ounces or something. And you know when you normally when you drop it on the floor it kind of bounces and makes like a clicking kind of na- kind of noise mm-hmm. but this one when it fell it just stuck to the floor like as though the floor had like sucked it in and it made like this be- like loud bang like it was a brick so and that's and it's weird because that's another pretty common thing that happened and this surprised me when I started researching like all the poltergeist cases for the book is that that's a really commonly reported thing, is that things make more noise than you would expect them to oh, make.
0: Oh, yes, I see.
3: Like when they hit the ground. Like mm-hmm. it, And another thing that happens a lot is, like, when things are falling, they either fall, they fall, like, more slowly than they normally right. would, or, or when they hit right. the ground, they hit the ground either really soft or really much harder than you would think they would.
0: You know, that and, re- that kind of reminds me of uh, an experience I had when I was doing this program. I he was doing this show at, at a friend's apartment, and um, his grandmother was there because he was yeah. taking care of her and all all that, and he was helping her move, and everything was kind of put in boxes, and there was pots and pans everywhere. and Well, not everywhere. They were just in boxes, basically, but um, they were basically stored and put away, so something had to physically open the box and throw it out, and his grandmother, um, she was pretty much confined to um, the sofa there and yeah. yeah during that show we were I was playing EVPs yeah that's what was going on and tonight I'm going to play some EVPs but um, <laughs> kind of funny <laughs> that was actually the last time I, I did that and uh, tonight I do that again here with uh, Dr. Albert Taylor oh. on the second half of this program and that should be fun but yeah I was doing the show at a friend's house and Playing the clips and all of a sudden you heard a loud bang and apparently something must have grabbed this, uh, pan and, and thrown it against the wall. It made a really loud, loud crashing sound that you could probably even hear it in the recording, uh, during the, during the show if you go back and listen to that one. Oh wow. Yeah, it's, um kind of weird. I've never really talked to my, my buddy about that. He, he already moved away, but yeah. every, every time I bring it up, he sort of, Changes the subject. <laughs>
3: Imagine that.
0: Yeah, isn't that funny? It, <laughs> he's, he's a big ball buster, too. So, you know, to have that guy kind of kind of scared, that really says something else. And he doesn't talk about the paranormal anymore like he used to, which is yeah. kind of funny. It's because um, he used to be all about this sort of thing. He used to talk to me about the paranormal and UFOs and this and that, and all of that went away. <laughs>
3: After that so,
0: one thing he happened, he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't want to mess with that anymore. I think he's done. <laughs> and I also must reveal to you that I'm someone who was hanging out in cemeteries uh during my high school years. I was into photography. Yeah. I was always taking photographs, and I would be either taking photographs or playing guitar with my friend Victor, and we did this for several years, and sometimes I wonder if something might have attached itself to me. Because sometimes there's some strange things that go on in this house. Yeah. So. You think
3: it might have followed you?
0: That's what I'm, that's what I'm coming to the conclusion of, to be honest with you. Yeah. Scary, right?
3: Yeah. It's weird because, I don't know, I've had so many people tell me that it's like, you know, you writing about this stuff and, you know, having stuff happen at the house. You know, people like, well, aren't you scared that, like, something followed you? And for some reason, I don't know, it doesn't bother me. Like I said, maybe because, I mean, I really do believe that it's Tom doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't believe that it's anything outside of him. So, you know, so I'm not afraid of him, so I'm not afraid of it.
0: Maybe I'm doing it, and I'm, I don't even know it.
3: That Yeah, it could be. Yeah. So, you know, so maybe that's why it doesn't bother me. I mean, even when I first saw it. Like it startled me, but I was just kind of like, Oh, there it is. You know what I mean? Because we've mm-hmm. been talking about it so much. And then I finally saw it and I was just like, kind of like, Oh, neat.
0: You finally got your show.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> right.
3: So it didn't really, but so like every now and then like something creepy happens, like the doorbell will start ringing in the middle of the night or something like that. And I'm like, it's annoying, but I'm just kind of like, Oh, whatever. Tom, knock it off.
0: Did you, you ever hear? I mean? Did you ever hear the, the classic footsteps on, on the ceiling there?
3: I have not, but the weird thing is that the house that I grew up in, it was my grandfather's house. It's been torn down since. But um, my mom and all her siblings grew up there, and they said, every single one of them said they heard footsteps walking back and forth across the ceiling
1: right. um,
3: the whole time they lived there. Mm-hmm. And I was always, when I was growing up, I was always disappointed that I never heard it. <laughs> Like the house so was creepy funny. for sure, but like I never saw anything in there, I never heard anything in there that that scared me or anything. And um, so I was always kind of like bummed out. So I was like, what? Dang, why did I hear any footsteps? Man, that sucks. You know what I mean? So I always waited. I mean, but I love that house, as creepy as it was. I still put it in a lot of my stories because I'm, you know, I'm sad that it's gone now because I wish I could go back. Sure. And and see if it was as creepy as I remember it. <laughs>
0: I'm sure you probably wouldn't feel the same if you actually did hear the footsteps, though. You I yeah
3: probably would, would get probably, creeped out there. Out. Because that because that if I heard footsteps, I wouldn't know who it was or who was responsible for it, and that might freak me. Now the only thing that's freaked me out in this house, like every now and then, I'll be in the kitchen, like I'll be doing the dishes or something like that, and I'll feel someone standing behind me, and then I'll turn around and there's no one there.
0: Oh yes, that's what I don't like at all. That the feeling yeah. that someone is is near you or watching you that's that's always the worst one. And I get that feeling every now and then here in this house.
3: Yeah, I've I've only had it probably three or four times in this house, and I had it once in my grandmother's house. Um, but and and once I had it in a store, weirdly enough, I was just in I was in a store. Involved. It was just a busy store, and I was like looking for Tupperware or something like that. I think. And all of a sudden, I just felt, I felt there was something like by me and I had to get away from it. Like I was just like, forget it. And I just like ran out of the store and I've never had that happen before. At a
0: store? That's unusual. I've yeah. never heard of that before.
3: And it wasn't even, it wasn't nighttime. It wasn't creepy. There was other people around. It was just like the weirdest sensation. I've never had one that strong before. I don't know what that was about. I still don't know.
0: Ah, that's strange. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Never heard anyone describe something like that during the day.
3: Yeah, yeah. I still, I'm, I'm curious as to what that was because it was just, it was an overwhelm. And I'm, you know, I'm like a really level-headed, reasonable kind of person. I don't like wig out. And you know, the fact that I was just like standing there in the store, I was like, oh my god, I gotta get out of here. What the hell is that? You know what I mean? I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> like I just ran. I'm sure, you like didn't have really a, <laughs> you you
0: didn't like a, shouldn't have like a, an anxiety attack perhaps?
3: No, it wasn't like that. Because once I was out of the store, I was like, "Ooh, okay, I'm alright." It's oh, like, okay. you know, there was something in there. It felt like there was something in there.
0: Something triggered that, you.
3: Yeah, that was bad. Like someone was in there.
0: Yeah, that's so, that's not good. Yeah. So, um, back to Tom really quickly. He's 100% cool with this, right? Yeah. He's fine with with whatever this thing is.
3: Yeah. He just kind of, you know. Every now and then, like when it happens, like the thing with the key the other day and like, you know, we, every now and then when we have something happen, he'll be like, ooh, that's creepy or something like that. And he just, he's (laughs) just like, okay. (laughs) He's just like, that's what it's like, you know. I hear ya. We're just so used to it at this point. And like I said, it doesn't do anything super scary or anything like that. You know, mostly it just does little annoying things. Or little ambiguous things. Like I think the worst mm-hmm. thing it did is it, you know, it tore um one of the the little lip off a shelf and like broke a couple of statues on the kitchen floor. That's the worst thing it's done.
0: So even though you've experienced all these things, you still remain quite skeptical, right?
3: Yeah, because I mean I don't think because like I said, you know, poltergeist activity I think is caused by living people. Right. Like um through some Mechanism that we don't understand yet, I don't know if I believe that people's personalities can necessarily survive after death that they can still do things mm-hmm. um you know i I'm open if something happened that was definitively you know like if I had a relative that died and then came back and like told me something that only they would know or something like that, then you know I would probably rethink. But at the moment, since, since I've never had that happen personally, you know, I'm I'm pretty skeptical of that. Poltergeist activity, I can swing with that. But I, but I think that's because I don't think it's supernatural per se. I just think it's some kind of anomalous, you know, scientific principle that we don't understand yet. And like I said, right. that was kind of the spirit I approached the writing of The Unseen Hand. You know, that's kind of the frame. That's how I framed it was that maybe this stuff does happen, but it's some kind of scientific thing that we just don't have a handle on yet.
0: Understood. And where exactly is uh, Mr. Steve Mara at right now?
3: Gosh, I haven't talked to him for a while. Um,
0: oh he's MIA.
3: Yeah well you know he's as far as I know he's still uh, going around England. I don't think he's been back here for a while. We keep me and Tom keep trying to get him and uh, him and Jackie to come and visit us because they've always wanted to come to Florida.
0: I'm oh, like, that's we live right in
3: Florida. We live in Orlando. We'll take you to Disney World. <laughs> you live in
0: you live in the the crazy place,
3: yeah, the crazy it's place not, of the country, yeah, Florida man, and all that it's a, it's not too crazy where we live. We live outside of Orlando probably you know fifteen minutes outside of the city. We kind of live out in the suburbs, but uh,
0: there's something in the water there.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure what it is. There's it's like, something I, there. I, I'm, I was born here. I was born in. Uh, I don't know I what it is. I,
0: I don't know what it is, but there's something about Florida.
3: Yeah, I and like I don't know if it's something to do with. I think it's because so many people come here from other. Like I think all the crazy people come here from other places.
0: Oh, okay, I see.
3: Because a lot of people are not from here. Like I'm fr- I was born here, but uh, but. Pretty much everybody, like, even when I was growing up, like, everybody I went to school with, I only knew one other person that was, like, a Florida native. Everywhere and Everyone else is from someplace else.
0: People get so upset when I talk about Florida, by the way.
3: Oh, I don't. I'm from here. I know.
0: I, I usually, <laughs> you know, I usually bring up something horrible whenever there's, it's in the news, yeah, which is often.
3: Uh, there's a lot of cool people here, but there are a lot of, I don't know, I don't know what's the matter with people here, honestly. It's, there. If if there's some kind of crazy crime or something like that, it's going to be here. Or Arizona. I think Arizona's kind of catching up. Arizona's
0: pretty crazy.
3: Yeah. It's I think been, it's we're like neck and neck for the crazy Olympics. Well, <laughs> you know, I,
0: I have to retract here a little bit. and have to um, bring up, um, there was lots of um, protesting going on in, in Berkeley, matter of fact. Uh, another place that's really insane here in California. Yeah. The, we have lots of crazy people out here. Yeah. Um, California, Arizona, um, as you know, lots of crazy people there, and Florida, I think those three states are perhaps the, the most insane.
3: Yeah, we kind of have the lock on it. And uh, you know, and the another thing too is that people and I know like people from every state all over the country say this, but it's like I, I really feel like people in Florida are the worst drivers in the world.
0: Mm. And I'm not
3: sure if it's because they're all old. Or if because no nobody is from here and nobody knows where they're going
0: in the world. Yeah. I, I don't know about that because have you ever well have, you've been to California, right?
3: I've never been to California. Ah, uh,
0: okay. Well, there's a place out here near Los Angeles called uh, Monterey Park, and yeah. it's pretty much um, populated with Asians. <laughs> and uh, well, you know, if I've had experiences in the past with Asian drivers who have been at fault, clearly. So there's that. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to get some, some negative emails about that comment too, but I can't, I, I can never win. People are going to get angry about everything here.
3: Well, now Tom tells me he grew up in Brazil and he said that the people down there, he's like down there, they might, might as well not even have like traffic laws.
0: No, that's a whole because different. Because
3: nobody, yeah, yeah, it's like because no one adheres to them.
0: That's just a whole, everyone
3: drives wherever the hell they want to. A whole
0: different ball game yeah. out there.
3: Yeah, it's like they don't care if that's where the road goes. They don't care if they're on the wrong side. They don't. They're just like, well, I have to go there, and therefore that is where I'm going.
0: I had because no idea he was. I had no <laughs> idea he was from Brazil.
3: He's um he actually wasn't born. He was actually born in California. um oh, to see. be honest, but he. But he spent- uh,
0: what ended up there, happening right? was
3: his, uh, his mom and his stepdad, they owned a company, uh, down in Brazil, or they actually owned, um, you know, kind of a franchise of a, of an American company, I believe that was down in, uh, Brazil. So he grew up there. Right. Most of his teenage years.
0: That's pretty uh, crazy.
3: Yeah. He went to high school there and stuff like that, but he moved back, uh, when he was 16 or 17.
1: I think. Wow. Yeah. But you know, he still speaks
3: Portuguese and he has a bunch of, uh, friends down there and helps, he talks to them on Skype and helps them fix their motorcycles and whatnot.
0: (laughs) Very cool. Very, very cool. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he has plenty of stories about seeing the kind of drivers out there.
3: Oh yeah, he's definitely got a lot of those.
0: (laughs) You see lots of people getting mugged out there in certain cities.
3: Yeah, he said, I mean, you know, his family were kind of well off back in the day, but... um,
0: It's a good thing he didn't get kidnapped or anything.
3: Yeah. He said, well, actually, all the people with money down there, you know, they pretty much live in fortresses. You have to. You know, they have guards and... That's right. Yeah, all their windows have bars on them and, you know, everything like that, so...
0: I'm lucky I I was born in America, not in Brazil. I'll just say that. It's... Pretty wild place out there, especially if you mm-hmm. get dealt that hand and have to grow up in a, um, I guess you could say, in, in the favelas.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. Imagine that life. Yeah. Wow. I know. <laughs> My God. Yeah. I don't think anybody wants to go through that. So, moving no. along here, let, let's get back into the more positive things, more into uh, demonic possessions here. What's exactly your take on that sort of thing? Um, Do you think people are actually experiencing something um, paranormal, demonic, something not from this world? Huh? I said something not from this world, this plane, this existence.
3: I'm not real sure about that. I think really in the cases that are usually seen as demonic possession, I feel like a lot of them are probably one, um, you know, I think a lot of them are probably just kids acting up or or their hoaxes or whatnot. Or, um, like, for example, in the case of, like, Annalise Mikkel, um she was probably mentally ill. Um, but in some cases, you know, like I mentioned before, the case of Roland Doe, who was uh, the kid was from 1949, and uh, his case was the one that the exorcist was based on. Now, in his case, uh, witnesses reported seeing psychokinetic activity. They reported seeing things moving around when no one was touching them. And in that case, I think it was probably poltergeist activity. And I think it was him doing it. I think he was the focus. Um, I'm not sure he was conscious of it, though. Um, you know what I mean? I think right. that hmm. he was probably – but, you know, his family were kind of religious, so I think that's probably how they interpreted it. Um, but do I think that people are actually being – infested by demons or, you know, taken over by some other entity. I doubt it. Um, I doubt you know, it, too. I, mean, I could be wrong, but, yeah, I, I really kind of doubt it. I, I think in doubts, most cases yeah. it could be mental illness or it could be poltergeist activity. I think it's probably one
0: I of I was those. just going to say these people are probably mental illness victims.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think in a lot of cases they are. And, honestly, if, if there's not – Any kind of inexplicable or paranormal activity involved, like if there's no psychokinetic activity. I mean, if the kid is just rolling around growling and, you know, um, swearing at the priest and stuff like that, I mean, you know, that could be anything. Any kid could do that.
0: It's funny you mentioned that because there was a 1992 documentary called Child of Rage. Mm. Yeah. It's um, pretty interesting.
1: Yeah. It was
0: pretty crazy. It was about this six year old who was basically a psychopath. And she used to go around and basically beat up her brother.
3: Oh, nice.
0: Amongst other things, of course, but she was just a, a wild child. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's pretty crazy to see that sort of thing, especially a, a child, I guess because she was sexually abused. Yeah. So that's kind of where all that stems from. And I guess now everything's cool. I guess now she's some sort of psychologist herself.
3: Oh, wow. So she actually did get... It, she didn't yeah. help, but she did get recovered. She enough. was
0: violent, she was, I think she even stabbed the family dog with a needle.
3: Oh my god. I I
0: think she fondled her grandfather.
3: Wow.
0: She, okay, I she see, did. I have
3: to see this documentary now, I haven't heard of
0: it. Yeah, her name is Beth, I believe, and she even cut oh. her, a classmate with a piece of glass. Wow. Right, and I'm surprised you never heard of this documentary. It's pretty insane. Yeah,
3: I've never heard of it. Wow, she's like the bad seed.
0: It's insane. (laughs) Beth Thomas, yeah, that's her name.
3: Okay, well, okay, I'm writing that
0: down. I'm going to watch that. Child of Rage, it's it's the name of that documentary. And, you know, speaking of documentaries, there's been lots of um, documentaries being released, and those are kind of on the rise. And um, The West Memphis Three is another one. That yeah. has been very popular online. What's your opinion on, on the whole West Memphis 3 case? Do you think those people were innocent or do you think they were guilty as hell? Oh my
3: gosh. I I don't really know enough about the case, uh, to comment on that. People got
0: really <laughs> crazy about that one too when I did a show on that.
3: Yeah. Did oh they yeah. Really?
0: People were like triggered.
3: I, kind of, I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel like I don't like to uh, to wade into something like that unless I've read up a lot about it, and I haven't.
0: Understood. You have to be 100% definitive in your answer. I understand. Yeah. I get so you. I
3: don't wanna, so I don't want to say anything that later I'm going to, like, regret, you know?
0: <laughs> well, that tends to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Especially doing this show. Yeah. You say lots of things that you might regret later on.
3: Yeah, yeah,
0: that's true. (laughs) Speaking of which, that's a good segue to um, your show. Let's talk about that now. It's called um, 13 O'Clock, right?
3: Yes, it is.
0: All right, let's talk about that. How exactly did you get started? Were there any influences involved? Were you a fan of radio, perhaps? Um, What's going on here?
1: Well,
3: actually, yeah, I had listened to a few podcasts, and, I mean, Tom and I had kind of you know, throwing around the idea, oh, maybe we should do a podcast. That would be kind of fun and all this other kind of stuff. But we didn't really, you know, think about it seriously. And then um, it was probably like probably about a year and a half ago, we were at a book signing at uh, Gods and Monsters, which is a big uh, comic book store here in Orlando. And we were there with a bunch of other authors. They were having a big event. And we met um, Armand Rosamilia, who is um, a horror writer. And uh we got to talking to him and stuff like that. And over the course of the day, he's kind of like, you know, he's like, you guys are really funny. It's like, and you guys have like a really good like rapport with each other and stuff. He's like, and he's like, and he did a podcast. And he's like, you guys should do a podcast. And he's like, you know, I'm on this network and they're looking for more podcasts. Mm. And, you know, do you want to do one? It's like, I you see. can do a paranormal one if you want. Yeah. And I right. was like. Yeah, why not? You know, we could do that. And then we just started doing we didn't want to keep it just paranormal, like we kind of wanted to keep it open where we could do paranormal topics if we wanted, but then we could do horror movies, we could do true crime. So, you know, we kinda of wanted to keep it general. Like we could do anything that was weird or creepy or you know, so we could kind of just do whatever we felt like doing.
0: I just gave you an idea for a show.
3: Yeah. West Memphis you did, Three. Actually.
0: There you go. I know.
3: It's like, I'm going to have to add, I'm going to add that to my list.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's a good, it's an interesting. For uh, it's it's an interesting for case. Yeah. There's lots it's of people. It's funny because
3: I was just, mm-hmm. yeah, I was just researching, um, similar cases. Cause you know, our next, uh, our next episode is going to be on like mad science. So it's going to be on like, you know, weird, uh, unethical medical experiments and stuff like that. And a couple of them, you know, were, You know, kids that were, like, raised as feral children and stuff like that. Yeah, things of that nature. And the ones about, like, the...
0: There was a girl, by the way, who was just found in some part of the jungle, perhaps. I I don't have that article in front of me, but she was found with a group of monkeys, and she couldn't talk or or walk upright. Maybe that was perhaps uh, not a valid news story. Perhaps it was a, a hoax, perhaps. yeah who knows though but there's been cases like that um yes yeah, there
3: have been there was some
0: there's some little girl i remember too back in like the early 90s who uh, same some, same same thing same situation same circumstances they found some little girl um i think with with another kind of animal i'm not even sure now was it a wolf perhaps I'm, i don't even know
3: yeah I think it might have been wolves
0: that's yeah. crazy right
3: yeah i think it might have been and it's funny too because um I was just, and actually I was just reading today about that family. I can't remember their names, but they were the ones that they were raising a chimpanzee as though it was a human child because they thought, oh, well, maybe if we raise it like a person, it will learn to act like a person. Like maybe it'll talk and maybe it'll do all this other stuff. And at first it kind of worked out okay. Like it, it, you know, learned how to put clothes on and it could eat at the table with a spoon and stuff like that. They were raising it with um with their son, who was, you know, about the same age, but in the end it turned out that the human kid started acting like the chimp and rather than the other way around. Oh, <laughs> so by the way, kind of, I, yeah, I,
0: looked looked the, uh, I looked up the uh I looked up these the story, it was allegedly this girl in India who Yeah, like, that's right. Yeah, well now they're saying that that isn't exactly true that this girl was a, a left near the forest abandoned uh but not with not the whole living with monkey thing oh that was that's fabricated sh- apparently
3: oh man there's no fun in the world anymore they should
0: have just left that in there
3: yeah that's so much, that's so much better story
0: girl it would have been monkey. a way better story <laughs> like a modern day jungle book story there
3: yeah that would have been great she'd been like girl Mowgli.
0: yeah <laughs> wasn't there like a new rendition of that film
3: there was. I I, remember I didn't watch
0: it, by the way. I, I just didn't I, really I care. I seen it. It's not going to beat the it cartoon.
3: It looks kind of cool.
0: It, let, let's be real. It's not going to beat the cartoon.
3: No, it's not. <laughs> it looks kind of cool, but it's just kind of like, yeah. They're, it seems like they're making live-action uh, versions of a lot of their classic cartoons. Yeah, cuz yeah. they just did Beauty and the Beast one.
0: You know, I'm but, not I'm not yeah, really yeah, – I was going to say, yeah, they made that one, which is really weird to see because I'm so used to, to – had. Watch the cartoon many moons ago. Yeah. And now you see this I just, this like thing. Like animated
3: teapot. I can't see the the weird teapot. It's weirding me out.
0: I think they're gonna scare children with that thing.
3: Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I'm like, wow, that's that really cre- creepy. That when it's a cartoon. Creepy. It's not creepy, but. Yeah, you
0: know. it's a little weird. I I can't see myself watching that movie. No. Yeah, I no. have to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> You know, it's I'm not
3: place. Be the place? <laughs> right,
0: and you know, I'm not very happy about the latest renditions of many of these films that come out. It seems like Hollywood has clearly run out of ideas, original ideas, and
1: yeah, that know. makes me
0: kind of sad. There's so many great minds out there, and here we are rehashing the same old thing over and over and over.
3: Yeah. Why? Yeah, it's a shame, and. I I mean, honestly, I don't even – I used to keep up, you know, with movies and stuff like that. But I – other than – I think the last movie we saw in the theater was probably – well, it was probably Rogue One. I mean, we go see all the Star Wars movies.
0: Mm, That's another gray area for me.
3: Yeah. I'm I'm excited about the new one, though. The new one looks kick-ass. And I liked Rogue One Mm -hmm. a lot. And and I liked The Force Awakens a lot. I mean, I know that a lot of people said, oh, it's just fan service, and it was just Mm -hmm. like – a remake of A New Hope and blah, blah, but I thought it was great. I've seen it like a million times.
0: You were doing it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, some people really enjoyed that.
3: I did. It was fun. And the characters were really good. I liked all the actors and stuff.
0: Yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm I'm kind of curious myself to see what way they go with it, but uh, I shouldn't put so much hope into Hollywood these days.
3: Yeah, it's, you know. I, I always kinda like I don't have a lot of um I don't have a lot of expectations, so then I can just kinda right. go in and see it and not get too disappointed about it. That's,
0: That's what I need to do. Yeah. I totally need to do that. And yeah. By the way, Jenny, here on this program I also like to talk about extraterrestrials every now and then. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about that sort of thing? Do you wanna believe?
3: Um I kind of feel like, if I'm sure that there is probably, I mean, I know for sure that there's probably intelligent life in the universe someplace. I mean, that to me does not even seem like a strange paranormal proposition at all. Um, Have they visited Earth? I don't know. Um, I think most of the people that think they've seen them were probably mistaken. Um, But there are a few cases that seem like, it was probably something from another planet, um, but I'm not sure because there's always kind of the thing where, oh, it could be some secret military ship or something like right. that mm-hmm. that people are seeing. But, I mean, there have been a handful of cases that I kind of think, yeah, maybe that might have been extraterrestrials. But then I kind of think, you know, if there were intelligent extraterrestrials, which I'm sure there are, I don't know if they would bother coming here. Yeah, like, that's another I, you know thing. I, mean? I Yeah. I don't know. I have a hard mm. time thinking that we'd be interesting enough because, like, if they were that much more advanced than us, it would almost be, like, the only reason I could think that they would come here was be, like, taking their kids on a field trip, <laughs> like, going to the zoo or right. something like that. Like, yeah. look at these – Primitive animals like running around down there. That's because otherwise, why would they come here? Like, I don't feel like they would come here.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of what I say every now and then. I kind of feel like, why would they want to stop here when yeah. we're kind of it's riddled like, with problems? Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I view most people personally as potential menaces. Yeah. I mean, I hate to I hate to say that out out loud, but that's kind of how I view a lot of people. Yeah. And it's sort of like prove me wrong.
1: <laughs> and then, true.
0: sure yeah. enough, they they proved me correct on my assessment on on their character. Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> there's that indeed. Have you yeah. been? Have you been? Um, have you been paying attention to the potential fireworks with North Korea?
3: Uh, not much. I don't really, like Tom's super into that kind of thing, so he's
0: always oh, it. Okay, he's deep into that.
3: Yeah. Understood. But I'm just kind of like.
0: Well, I'll just say, I'll just tell you this, the North Koreans, they sort of failed their latest missile test there.
1: Yeah.
0: Which we kind of all figured what would would basically happen.
1: That
3: kind of seems like a thing with them though, don't they? Just like every now and then they're just kind of like, we're going to blow everything up. Everyone's like, yeah, shut up.
0: (laughs) It seemed, it seemed this time they were kind of, they were kind of serious this time. Yeah. But I think they're kind of always serious, but their capabilities just kind of um, blow up.
3: Yeah, that's what I kind of feel like. They, it it just seems like to me, it's all just they're overcompensated for some kind of insecurity or something, because it always seems like we're gonna do this, and we have the biggest bombs, and we have this and that, and then it's like when they try to do something, it's like, you know, like nothing happens. There's like, so you know,
0: so we'll find out what happens eventually.
3: Yeah, Tom will tell me.
0: <laughs> yes, Tom will let you know.
3: <laughs> well, he used to, when he was in the military, he was stationed on the DMZ. So he's like, he's really interested in Korea.
0: That's Mr. Tom Ross, ladies and gentlemen, for those yeah. curious.
3: It's weird cause he walked in here a few minutes ago and I said, oh, and I was like motioning for him to stay here, but then I guess he snuck out again. Yes. That was really weird cause Probably. I turned around to like say something to him and I was like, oh, he's gone. He I didn't went, even see him leave. He's, he like, went to
0: uh, take a vape break perhaps.
3: Yeah, you probably
0: did. <laughs> I have a feeling that's what he's doing.
3: Yeah, I'm sure it is. And we just we just got a new TV today. Tom's mom bought us a TV, so he's in there like he's like, "Wow, I can watch all my YouTube videos." Oh no! So yeah,
0: he's gonna stay up until four in the morning with that thing.
3: Pro- yeah, probably. Well, well I mean, yeah. it
0: kind of already is almost. It's pretty late out there, right?
3: Um, it is 12:23 a.m.
0: Yeah, he's gonna stay up.
3: Well, actually, jokes on him because Netflix just put up the new season of the rebooted Mystery Science Theater, so that is what we are going to be watching, not YouTube videos. Will there be alcohol involved? <laughs> huh?
0: Will there be alcohol involved?
3: Oh, oh, definitely. Because you no, know I you haven't. you know
0: you you do describe yourself as a barfly.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: Which I I avoided saying during the intro.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't want to put that out there. <laughs> I don't want people to think that you are some sort of binge drinker like every other writer that we've ever heard of.
3: No, I'm not that bad. Um
0: I know, I'm only teasing, don't worry.
3: Yeah, I only I only uh do that pretty once a week probably.
0: Yeah. Keeping it safe, <laughs> keeping it um respectively uh healthy, I see. Yeah, yeah. What do you drink by by any chance? or by the way?
3: Um, depends on the mood. I usually what we actually when we go out on Saturdays, I usually drink uh Red Death.
0: Red Death. What is that?
3: It I can't even remember what all is in it.
0: That sounds it, hellacious.
3: Yeah, it is. Um, although see, it used to be the nice thing about Red Death is it's almost all alcohol, but it doesn't taste Ooh. like it. It's kind of like a Long Island iced tea in that way where it like kind of fools you into thinking, oh, this is an alcoholic at all. And then two drinks later and you're on the floor.
0: Yeah. You know, I had a mixed drink not that long ago and it was just pure alcohol. Mm-hmm. It was just, you couldn't taste anything else.
3: Yeah. I thought I, <laughs> I thought I would yeah. die
0: if I drank that.
3: Yeah, this is just the opposite. Like, it's pure alcohol, but it doesn't taste like it. It almost tastes like fruit punch.
0: Wow, yeah, that would be pretty you know, addictive. Really yeah, you're not really sure.
3: Now, I mean, I've built up a tolerance. It used to be I could only drink two of them, and I'd be, like, you know, slurring my words and stuff. But, you know, I've drank so many of them <laughs> that now I can drink, like, four or five and oh, still be able to walk around.
0: you build a tolerance.
3: Yeah, yeah. So is uh, they're what, all good, though. <laughs> is this what
0: Tom is drinking with you, too?
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. no,
0: he's drinking the 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 death with you.
3: Yeah, yeah. Sometimes he drinks those and he drinks one that's called a liquid marijuana. Oh wow. Which doesn't it it's only called that because it's bright green. It doesn't oh. taste like marijuana. Or well, taste- you know
0: there is a wine company that does sell uh their product with infused uh, THC in in the wine.
3: Yeah, I've heard about that.
0: Uh there's a company in California. I, I can't recall the name of it, but I'm actually kind of curious to try that because I like wine.
1: (laughs)
3: Yeah, I like wine too. I've never been a big, uh, never been a big pot fan though, I
0: have to say. Understood.
3: Yeah, not sure why. Uh, But, you know.
0: I'm curious though, that would be very interesting to see what happens.
3: Indeed it would. But yeah. you know, for this weekend, since we weren't going out this weekend, so we had to go to the liquor store, obviously, because I said, Well, we're not staying in all weekend with no booze. We can't do that. You can't so, do that, it, that's true. We got rums. We actually we made pina coladas. They were wow. delicious.
0: You guys are gonna have a great time then.
3: We are, yeah. And i cool. like I said, I've already we're gonna watch Mystery Science Theater all night on our new TV and drink and it'll be fun.
0: <laughs> very, very cool. And we are coming To a close here very shortly, but I do always ask all my guests this, and since we've been talking about it, um, what exactly do you prefer, Jenny? Do you prefer film or television?
3: Hmm, that's a hard one. Um, Probably film. I mean, most of my favorite things are right now are on TV, but in general I think I prefer film and pretty much horror film. Exclusively. I will watch other ones, but, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's not a horror movie, I'm just kind of like, (laughs) meh.
0: Yeah, that's, that's kind of my favorite as well, but there's other, there's other things I do enjoy greatly. Yeah. Um, You know, one of those, one of those things I'm not too into, and I'm, I'm sure you're big on it. Of course we were just talking about it, but the whole superhero franchise, I, I kind of checked out on that back in the early 2000s.
3: Yeah, I can't – it's funny because we were just talking about that. The other day. Like, I'll watch them. Like, I liked um, the series, like the Netflix series they did. Like, I really liked um, Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and all that. Iron Fist was uh, was all right. But the movies, like the big Marvel movies and stuff, I just can't – like, I'll watch them. I can't months. do
0: it. I can't do it. I just – I can't get into it at all.
3: I can't either, really. I tried. I tried. Like, I, I think it's too much – Um. It's too formulaic. There's too much action, and I can't really f- – I don't really care about the characters. I don't – can't really follow what's going on. Um, you know, I, I haven't read the comic books. I'm not super familiar with all the characters' backstories and stuff like that. So, you know, a lot of the little references and stuff like, oh, this was from this comic book, and this is from this other character and stuff, like, a lot of that is lost on me because I'm not super into those characters. Um so I can't. To me, it just seems like a spectacle with nothing, with no substance to it, you know. Yeah. But uh, we just. I think we just watched the other day. We watched Avengers: Age of Ultron just because it was on. You know, it was on the pay channel, and I was like, I. I think I fell asleep halfway through because oh, I just wow, I didn't I know what was going on, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, I don't know. Who
0: cares? You, you tuned <laughs> out, right? <laughs> you know, there's another movie that I I always fancied very much, and it, it's a very violent, a very violent. Um, criminal-related type film. It's a drama thriller. It's called Falling Down, and it's from 1993.
3: Oh, I like that movie.
0: I love that film so much.
3: I haven't seen it in many years, though.
0: That is a personal favorite of mine. Yeah, it's, it's that was it's,
3: that was a very good movie. That was a very good
0: movie. Mr. Michael Douglas, he's insane in that film.
3: Right. Yeah, he wow. is. He really
0: flips out. <laughs> See, why aren't there movies like that anymore?
3: I don't know. They try so-
0: to do them like this, but they just fail all the time.
3: Yeah. And I don't know. It's like, I always kind of feel like, I don't know if it's because I'm getting old. i like, I never, I always said when I was growing up, I said, I never want to be one of those people that like when they get older, they're like, all oh, the new stuff is crap and like all the old stuff was better and stuff. But I feel like I'm kind of, doing that whether i want to or
0: not well it depends it, it really does depend because i mean if we're going to get yeah. into films like i guess ghostbusters which was uh, an abortion of a film if you saw that one
3: yeah i didn't see it like i just thought it looked um it like was from the previews terrible. i was like well it looks dumb
0: it was it was it was dumb and it had yeah, nothing to the do jokes with it just
3: didn't look funny and it's and
0: it's you know and it had nothing to do with with the cast with the women i you know i could give a shit less about that to be honest with you That doesn't bother me. That doesn't bother me at all. I don't care about that.
1: Yeah, that's what,
3: that wasn't what bothered me. It seemed like a lot of the jokes were not funny.
0: The jokes sucked and I only watched perhaps 20 minutes, 20 minutes in and I was, I checked out. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it.
3: Yeah. So I don't, so I don't know if it's so much because I've seen new movies and I've seen new TV shows that I really liked. So I'm not, you know, I'm not into crotchety old fart territory yet. I don't think. Um, cause I do see and hear things that are new that I like, but in general, there's something about, um, you know, older stuff that there's some kind of charm to it that a lot of newer stuff doesn't have. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that charm was organic. I don't think you can, you know, you can't make it happen. It just happened accidentally. So you know, I don't really think you can recreate that with new stuff. But yeah. there, you know, I do see new stuff I like, just not very often. And like I said, I'm usually I'm kind of one of those people where you know, when I want to watch a movie, I'm just like, I'm a, let's look at the 70s and 80s horror movies. I don't really want anything newer than 1992 because <laughs> that was when I started losing
1: interest. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and you know, I'm looking at the list now, and there's been a lot of movies in the year 2016 and and this year now. Approaching, um, a wh- a horror related. Yeah. There's lots of them. I mean, there's yeah. there's a movie here called The Bye Bye Man. I I don't even, never even heard of that.
3: Oh, I remember. I saw some commercials for that. That looked dumb though. It, well,
0: it, it probably was because it only got a two star rating.
3: Yeah. I mean, you could say, it didn't look. It just looked like all the other ones. Like it didn't look like anything interesting. Um. But I do for a while on my, um, cause I have a blog called Goddess of Hellfire and I do horror movie reviews on there like periodically. And what I would do for a while is I would go on Hulu or Netflix or something. And I would pick like a new horror movie at random that I hadn't heard of and then I would watch it and review it. And probably like 60% of them sucked, <laughs> but yes. percent of them were actually pretty good. And I was surprised like at, at because I was expecting like almost all of them to suck, but actually I saw some really good ones on there that I was kind of like, "Wow, I wasn't expecting there to be decent horror movies on here from the last few years. I've been missing out."
0: You know, but- <laughs> there's before I, before I forget, I gotta get this this one out there. There's a movie called Creep that came out in 2014. I, I'm pretty sure it's on um, Netflix by now. That was actually a pretty good movie. Oh, wasn't? Oh yeah,
3: I, I haven't heard of that.
0: It's called was Creep. It what,
3: kind of, what kind of movie was it? Was it like Creep or was it like a ghost story? Mm, was it like well, Slash
0: or was it? It's about a guy that's pretty obsessive. Um, he's <laughs> like a videographer and he, well, th- this this guy basically is a videographer and he answers to like this ad on Craigslist and it's supposed to be like a one-day job sort of thing and he goes out to see this, this guy who's allegedly dying in a remote mountain town or whatever and I guess his job is gets um the description of his job gets weirder and weirder following this guy he his client basically and um the guy he's following around basically tries to kill him eventually.
3: Ah, that's sounds pretty good.
0: If he does or doesn't I, I don't know. I won't spoil the film for you.
3: Yeah, I'll have to yeah I'll have to look that up.
0: It's actually a pretty good movie.
3: Well yeah. I've seen like I said, it's I and I feel like I was researching one of our um our podcast episode from last week um, was a topic I'd been wanting to do for a while. i wanted been wanting to do um uh, Giallo movies because um, I love them. Tom doesn't know a thing about them, so he was just like totally clueless like the whole show, and I'm like talking about Mario Bava and Dario Argento and I was talking about this and that and the other thing and he's like, I hope everybody knows what she's talking about because <laughs> I sure don't. But um, I was like, yeah, yeah, they do. It's cool. And um when I was researching, I was watching some of the old classics and stuff, you know, to kind of get reacquainted with them. And it turns out that some directors and stuff had started making new ones because I didn't think anybody had really made any, like, after 1980 or so. And um, I always really liked that style of film, you know, as, like, a subgenre of the horror, you know. Right. And uh, so I wasn't even aware that people were making new ones or making ones inspired by that. And so now I have, like, this whole list of movies you know, Barbarian Sound Studio and Francesca and movies like that. And I was like, well, now I have to see all these because, you know, cause I love those kind of movies and I had been wanting to see somebody do something with that genre, you know, in the modern day and see sure. how they could pull it off, you know. So we'll see. We'll see if they're any good. The reviews are good. So.
0: So no, no, um, no definitive future and you seeing seen The Humid Centipede number three.
3: Hmm. Yeah. I saw the first two.
0: That's probably one of the like, probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen up there with uh, Sharknado.
3: Yeah. Oh, well, Sharknado is kind of fun though. It's like oh, I God. <laughs> I can watch like horror movies. It gore doesn't bother me like at all, but when they start getting to the point where let's show people, you know, pooping in each other's mouths and drinking vomit it, and stuff like went, that, like went, right now you're just It just went not pretty good south
0: up. there. Went too far south there in my opinion.
3: Yeah, it's like I can like I can watch people's heads getting crushed and stuff like that. But come on, it's like that's just nasty.
0: It was very excessive. That's very true.
3: Yeah, so it's like there comes a point where it's just like now you're just trying to show off and like making everybody gag, and it's like yeah. I just you know I can't watch that. Right. I can't watch that kind of thing.
0: <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. So I, I do want to thank you for being on the program this evening. Uh, thank you very much. For sharing your time with us here, it's always great to get a little update with you, and of course, talk about your latest work. And um, I do want to leave you with the final word, and of course, go ahead and, and plug your book and website.
3: Okay, I can do that. Uh, my latest book is called The Unseen Hand, a new exploration of poltergeist phenomena, and it's out in print, ebook, and audiobook format. And just go to Amazon, and there it is. Um, also have a website, just www.jennyashford.com, and that's got pretty much all my stuff on it. And also um, myself and Tom Ross do a weekly podcast called 13 O'Clock, and we talk about paranormal stuff, true crime, just weird stuff in general. And uh, that comes out every Tuesday, and it's on the Project Entertainment Network. That's the audio version And we also have a little video version on YouTube, and that's on our channel, 13 O'Clock Podcast.
0: Very, very cool. Yeah. So once again, thank you for being on the program. And, of course, we will definitely touch base in the future.
3: Well, thank you very very much for having me on. I love being on this show. This is my favorite one to be on.
0: Oh, I'm flattered. (laughs) All right. Take care, Jenny. You too. All right. Good night. Good night. Bye-bye. And that was my guest, Jenny Ashford. Great guest, as usual. Always have fun talking to every guest that appears here on the program. Of course, it's now that time to go on a little break here. I hope you all have been enjoying tonight's program. Coming up next, Dr. Albert Taylor will be right back.
5: coming
2: to an end, Mal. I see angels, Mickey. They're coming down for us from heaven, and I see you riding a big red horse. And Hello,
0: brother. It's, it's John B. Wells here. I, I don't even know the words at the moment, and that's kind of unusual. People say. And welcome back to the program. I hope that break was good for you too. I enjoyed that one. Always nice to get that long break in there and listen to some music. Now, I believe it's that time where I contact my next guest, Dr. Albert Taylor. Let's see what's going on with Mr. Albert Taylor here. Albert, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me all right? Yes. Excellent. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, loud and clear. Welcome back to the program. Always an honor and a privilege to speak to you, sir.
5: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed doing your show.
0: Oh, that's very nice of you to say. Now, Doctor, I've been talking a lot about the paranormal here tonight, and I believe we're going to pick up that trend here. You sent me Mm -hmm. some EVPs, and you sent me a couple of photos here, and I posted those on Twitter for anyone who wants to see, and later, of course, I'll, I'll post those on the website. Some very gruesome photos there, Albert.
5: Um. You know, um, I was kind of shocked myself when, um, because I was very skeptical when I began doing this. But I was shocked myself when I witnessed some of this stuff with my own eyes.
0: Oh, I don't blame you. You know,
5: and I have to, I have to portray. You know, I, you know, I have the the client there, so I can't just go, oh my god, and, and show <laughs> the emotions that I have inside. So inside, I was going, oh my god, this is really happening. But on the outside, I had to keep a poker face.
0: Oh, I hear you. I hear ya. So before we begin, I, I have to introduce you to the audience here. This is Dr. Albert Taylor, a man of many, many talents and has been involved in lots of secret programs, I should say. Um, Albert, I'll let you fill in the blanks here and let you introduce yourself properly to the newer listeners out there.
5: Ah, uh, okay. Where do I begin? At the very beginning is a long story. Are you sure you want to do that? Sure. <laughs> you know, let, let's
0: You know what? It's been a long time and this we are under a new banner here and technically this is your first rodeo here tonight. So, let's start back with our roots and let's tell the people how it all began for Mr. Albert Taylor. And I know we both had um a very similar upbringing. We both experienced very strange things in our lives and I'll let you take over now.
5: Well, um, as early as I can remember, maybe age four or five, I've been wav- waking up in the middle of the night uh, feeling paralyzed, like I couldn't move. And at that age, um, the only explanation I had for that was an old superstition in my family. And maybe it's been going back two, 300 years. I don't know. That um, my grandmother would say, the witches were riding you or sitting on top of you because you did something bad. You know, and that was the explanation that I had to deal with at five years old for a very, very long time. <laughs> That's so funny. And then as I began to get older, I, of course, I started looking at the uh, phenomena as maybe something genetic or some type of neurological abnormality or something like that. So, But because it was happening to several people in my family, there's still that question as to why us. And so I dealt with that basically all my life uh even after i i went into the military at uh, I volunteered to go into the Air Force at age seventeen. Um, I got out of the Air Force and started working for skunk works at age twenty one and I worked on the stealth fighter and I went from there and um, I went on to um, work on the v one bomber and then um, I left there and i was in basically i have been in aerospace for a very very long time after leaving the air Force um and i ended up going from um uh, the B1 bomber to strategic defense initiative which was at that time was uh president reagan's star wars initiative which is anti ballistic missile yeah back uh,
0: in 1983 uh, i believe
5: yes so i worked on that and worked on some satellites and then i i uh, while i was there i was also working on gps before it was even launched now everybody knows about gps but we were just right. working on the 25 constellations for the military now, everybody's using it, so um I worked on that, and then I left um the uh, s d i program and I went to the international Space Station program, where I became the uh, maintainability engineer on the airlock um the pressurized mating adapter that the shuttle docks to um the c- command and control nodes that the all the other no- nodes plug to and uh I think they was went oh, and the some some um uh uh racks and things like that in the different uh, habitation model module and things like that and while I, while this was happening, I was still having these paranormal nighttime experiences, so I began to just keep a diary, and I didn't think I would ever I wasn't writing a book, I didn't think I'd ever show it to anybody. Um I went to the doctor even and i and I had uh medical tests done to see if I could find some answers as to why this was happening to me because sometimes during the night paralysis, not only was I experiencing that, but I would uh hear my name being called or oh, yes. I would feel something touch me yes. or something like that. And um, it, it was disturbing, you know, yes. w- without knowing what it was.
1: That's exactly so I, what I experienced. Thinking I,
5: exactly. I was looking for a, a physical uh, abnormality that I could blame on my parents, you know. Right. So that's that's why I went to the doctor. I got a clean bill of, and I thought, and uh, and I even went to a psychiatrist. And I got, you know, when I got out there, I was told that uh, everything was fine and. It was part of a dream something or I forgot the explanation. That, oh, I remember they, they said the, it's something that the body does to keep you from acting out your dreams is that's why you're paralyzed. Um. But they couldn't explain to me why all the other things were happening to me. So I began to just keep a, a diary and, uh, and, and because I was an engineer scientist by this time, um, I just began to do research on myself. And I documented everything I could, even when I ate that day, what time I got up, every everything I could, because I was looking for a pattern, something that repeated itself on on the nights that it would occur. Uh, uh, occur. And, um, after documenting this for quite a while, um, and I began to discover things because I began to see patterns and I began to see things and experiment on the patterns like, uh, what time I should go to bed and cause it to happen or what time I should eat, or how early I should eat or the type of relaxation techniques to use. And, and then I started, uh, looking into meditation. And there's a, some other things that were happening to me all my life that I didn't, connect to this this experience, and that was flying in my dreams. I've been flying my dreams since I was a little kid, and also um, I would tell my mom because I couldn't, I didn't know what it was at that time, I would tell her, I think I was four or five, Mom, I wake up in my dreams and I fly, and what I meant by that as a little kid is I become aware that I'm dreaming and I take control of the dream. That was the best way I could describe it at that age, so all of these things, were happening, but i they were not 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 connected, and as I began to do this this research over the period of time, all these things started becoming connected to each other, and I began to gain some control over what I was doing but it wasn't until I actually started went to a physical place that I should not have known what was there and then at a friend's house and then came back and wrote it down in my diary and then went to check it out and t- talk to my friend that I discovered that it matched and that shocked me because I wasn't thinking it had anything to do with the real world. I was just thinking it was lucid dreaming as I you know as I later found out it um uh, described uh, uh earlier. So um uh, as I I began to wonder, "Oh my god, what what is it that we because I wasn't just thinking it was me because my my family members were having similar experiences just not experimenting as I had, I began to ask my question, what are we as beings that we can do these things? And that's when I started getting into, because I didn't think of it as, you know, I was raised Catholic, so I wasn't thinking of it as a religious thing, you know, Um, Catholic, you know, my Catholic religion, I always call myself a recovering Catholic now,
1: but Mm -hmm. my Catholic
5: religion, they talked about us having a soul and having to go to the priest and getting it confession and cleansing and then there was a very a ritual to this so it didn't match anything that i had gone to school about i was even an altar boy so this was something very unique and my family is very very religious but this didn't match that so i began to try to formulate and understand what was happening to me and i had no idea michael that i was going to eventually discover my soul and that the soul Mm, is definitely it is temporarily in the body And it can leave the body periodically, and it's the same thing that happens to us when we have a near-death experience or when the body dies completely. We don't die with the body. There's a part of us that goes on and is fully conscious.
0: Yeah, so basically all these experiences uh, inspired you to write your book, Soul Traveler, which I believe was a bestseller.
5: But that's that's just it. My book is my diary. I wasn't writing a book.
0: Yeah,
1: it's your diary. I
5: I had, matter of fact, I thought, I really thought that I was keeping this for myself because something was wrong with me, and that when I went crazy and they found me drooling and babbling in the corner, my diary would be sitting next to me, and they could figure out how I got there. That's kind of what I was thinking. I'm documenting this slow descent into something bizarre and not physical, but so um, one day, I was, uh, sitting there looking at the diary and it was about, I don't know, a hundred and some odd pages, getting fairly thick. And I heard something in my consciousness said, send that out to, to different publishers. And I thought, that's ridiculous, you know. I'm, I'm an aerospace engineer. I'm not a writer. I write tech manuals, things like that. But I'm not a, a writer. I'm yeah, not, this was you, a, 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 you know, a, a. That's not something I wanted to do. Right. I envisioned.
0: Mm-hmm. This was an LA Times bestseller, by the way.
5: Yeah, and that's that's when I I realized oh my God there's something happening here because a diary from a non writer gets you know is published and it it goes it's vaulted all the way to number one times bestseller and now it's in several languages all over the world and that's when I began to realize it's it's really about us it's not about me it's about us and who we are and if we do are capable of traveling beyond the physical body via via out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences, or death, why did we come here in the first place? That's what I started asking myself. And that was the beginning of me trying to discover the basic purpose of the soul and what the soul was capable of.
0: And this is how I was introduced to you, uh, Albert. I'm not exactly sure if I ever conveyed that story to you uh, here on the air, but... It wasn't until about 1999 when I actually first had the Internet. I actually first heard you on uh, the Art Bell radio show, and mm-hmm. I heard a replay of you on there. And the things you were describing are all things that I went through myself growing up. And, of course, I always stayed quiet because I always thought, well, perhaps maybe I'm a little crazy. And, right. You know, hearing right. you explain all these things, I thought, okay, maybe I'm not because we, we both had that weird, um, experience of hearing someone calling us. And of course I explained to you, um, a, a while back how I had this weird experience one night when I was asleep and it, it seemed like there was a conversation going on with multiple people and it started building up louder and louder in my head. And uh, that was always something that I, I, I could never get rid of that memory. It's still with me today. And right. of course, hearing you talk about all these things, it, it sort of made me feel much better.
5: Good. Well, that, that's, that's what I discovered. And that's really the whole reason my book, my, my diary, I published it is because I wanted other people to, first of all, realize that they're not alone and you're not going crazy. And there's a lot of people out there having the exact same experience. And the thing about it is if we're having the exact same experience and they're coming from all walks of life, then that adds validity to it, to me, in my opinion, because it's not a random uh, type of uh, occurrence. So if it adds validity to it, then everybody who's having these experiences, I would hope, would go from being afraid of them like I was to embracing them and, and exploring them and, and discovering who you really are. So that was the whole reason I did it, is for people like yourself and other people who were like me in the beginning who were searching answers and didn't have anywhere to go.
0: Yeah, I I always thank you a lot for uh, putting that into my head, astral projection. I wouldn't have really known anything about it if I hadn't had heard you. So I've always connected with you, doctor.
5: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I hadn't heard anything about it. The <laughs> right. I'd heard uh, sure. uh growing up Catholic to astral projection was astral the dog on the Jetsons. I <laughs> didn't know anything about astral, which means of the stars. I had no idea. And like I said, uh with the superstition that was in my family, they already told me what it was and that seemed pretty scary and negative, oh, yes. and negative and everybody was frightened of it. And the only thing um, I did personally for a long, long, long time was run from it and, and hope it would end when it, uh, soon after it began.
0: By the way, on a side note here, what's your opinion on remote viewing? I don't believe I've ever asked you that.
5: Well, I like to say that um, to me, and I know a lot of remote viewers, uh, remote viewing to me is like watching a football game on television. And out-of-body experience is like being the quarterback on the field. That's what I like to share with people. You can watch it from a distance, you can view it, but uh, not by experience. You're actually there and experience it right. from your mm. from a one single point perspective. But mm. I mean, that there's another talent of the soul. The soul has many, many. I mean, uh, remote viewing is just one. Um, there's other talents that we as souls in human form uh, are capable of, and many, many different people are capable of different types of things um uh regarding um um the sixth sixth, sixth sense so yeah, remote viewing is just one and it can be very accurate the thing i'm always amazed about is uh because i always think of it as a spiritual thing i'm always amazed when people can use it for um materialistic things oh, like
1: yeah.
5: viewing papers or something in a foreign country or I'm I'm not capable of doing that. When I get in that state, those things don't matter uh, as much as other things that are non-physical and and spiritual. Those things matter more to me. So I'm always amazed when people can do that and not uh, connect it to the spiritual aspect of things.
0: By the way, on another side note here, it seems like there's been an increase of UFO sightings this year in 2017. Um, That's great. (laughs) It it, it really is great. It's really something else. And here on this program, I've always talked about how my parents saw this triangular craft above their home a few years ago. And Mm -hmm. um, in what my father described as a transparent-like craft moving slowly through the sky above. And um, matter of fact, a few days ago, another triangle-shaped craft was spotted over the skies of uh, a place called Mexicali, it's in Mexico. It's, it's in Mexico. I heard
5: about that. Yes. I heard about that.
0: It's in Mexico, and this was seen on Monday, I right. believe April 10th, and there's footage that exists, and that's 38 minutes away from me. I don't live very far away from the border. That's about 17 miles to be exact. And after watching that footage, it, it looks like something I also saw myself not very long ago. And I'm thinking, could it be a part of a secret military aircraft, Albert, or is it something else?
5: I doubt if it's ours or if it's even made by us. The uh, only reason is, is because I've had a secret clearance for a very, very, very long time. I can't go into specifics about the details of some of the things I worked on, but sure. I have my doubts if it's ours. Because, uh, uh, I mean, I was in aerospace. I worked on some really cool stuff yes, you so did. Um, that's my doubt you know and the odds and that's the only thing that that uh we struggle with is the odds of finding us in the universe uh is the is one of the things that make makes people skeptical the and that's when you're thinking of it uh whatever it is if it's extraterrestrial and if it's coming from a an intelligent uh planet um, of other beings, that's and that's what makes people skeptical. The thing is, is I'm open to a lot of things, especially after having personal experience in a non-physical realm. Sure. I don't. I'm. I'm. I'm not convinced in any way, shape, or form that it is of a physical uh, origin, uh, or it could be a dimensional. Or right, It could have a right. dimensional origin. It could have a a and because now we're starting to realize time is not as rigid as we thought it was. Time can be flexible, especially around uh intense gravity like black holes and things like that. It could be something from a a different uh time. We just we don't know the origin, so um when uh, to me, when you start thinking about possibly other uh, uh sources that this phenomenon could be originating from, that increases the, its probability. Now i just saying, oh, it came from, you know, uh, a planted in the Pleiades when you think it could have come, cause we really don't know. This is the, you know, people say, well, we don't know about portals and cause we don't. But this is the thing. Our five senses are extremely limited. Yes. Right now in my, my room, in my office, and I'm sure where you are, there are radio waves bouncing all around the room, even mm-hmm. penetrating the room. Mm-hmm. But none of your five senses are capable of picking those radio frequ- those radio waves up. So uh, so if the radio waves aren't where five senses are capable of picking that up, what else? And we already know about infrared light. Right. What else is our five senses uh, incapable of picking up? And that's where uh, I start saying we have to be open-minded to other possibilities.
0: Sure. And speaking of, about that, the signals, the Wi-Fi signals, there's been people that are reporting that. Certain Wi-Fi signals, or all of them perhaps in some areas, they sort of give them these strange headaches. Have you ever heard of anything like that?
5: No, I'm not familiar with that. Um, I wonder. uh, Not at all. I have zero information on that.
0: I wonder if those people are perhaps experiencing something else, or if maybe they Mm -hmm. are just a little
5: crazy. Without actually interviewing individuals, it's very difficult for me to give an opinion on another a case or person I've had I mean, them because I have a lot of questions when I ask questions and they lead me to some type of hypothesis or, or you know so I I can't really say without having a lot more detail because otherwise I would just be guessing
0: sure understood and going back to these uh, UFO sightings someone on Facebook recorded a crystal clear video of multiple UFOs while driving through the desert of Arizona and that was just yesterday. So. Well,
5: you know, I have, should have sent you this other photo. I wish I had. I have a friend that I've known for four, well, I was 17. I'm 61 now. So a long, long time, 40 some odd years. Right. And, uh, we both went into the Air Force together. He became a crew chief on a B one, on a B 52. Um uh, and we got out and we both went into aerospace together. And I, and he had a secret clearance like I have. So I've known him. A long, long, long time. Uh, on one of his drives, uh, he was driving from Southern California to San Francisco up I-5, Interstate 5. Ah, uh, yes. If anybody knows that. I-5. And there's windmills out there. Yes. And while he was coming, I think it's near Stockton, when he was going through that area, he saw something up in the sky, which uh, is not too far from Vandenberg also. Vandenberg Air Force Base. Right. Um so he pulled over with a, a, a few other people, and he took this photo of a, uh, what looked like a flying saucer with windmills around it where you can see the windmills are in perspective. And he sent it to me saying, Oh my God, uh, look what I took. And, and if it had been anyone else, I think I, I would have been a lot more skeptical. But because I've known him for so very long yeah. and like he's still in aerospace with a secret clearance, that's when I thought, Oh my God, there's, you know, something going on here uh and not not that that was the first time I'd ever investigated something like that, but it uh it was just adding to the uh a lot of the uh, information that people have on on uFOs like i said i I think that they do exist and and the key is unidentified flying object that doesn't mean extraterrestrial that just means that we don't know what it is, and there are a lot of uh possibilities when you look at it that way uh and there's a lot of uh, possible origins. So uh what it is, I don't know if it has to do with the grays or something like that. Um and, and if it's a time issue where it's coming from our future maybe. Uh who knows what we're going to look like uh in the you, future. You, I don't know.
0: You set the gray. I know that
5: I know that now we're evolving mm-hmm. now and one of the the clues that the human body is evolving a lot of people don't don't realize this is that once upon a time, people were born with wisdom teeth. Now, slowly, what has happened is people, the, the human jaw has gotten smaller, and the wisdom teeth started coming in crooked and bunching the teeth together, so people started having them removed. And now, there are people actually being born without wisdom teeth at all. So that's evolution right there. In, in, in a way that people may may not have looked at. So I do know that we're changing, and who, who's to say what we're going to look like in the future and what we're capable of doing.
0: Understood. You said something interesting. You mentioned the grays. So do you believe in the grays?
5: I can't say I believe in it because I haven't been researched it or even met one hand to hand. But I I've seen the information.
0: And you're leaning and, towards
5: their and, existence. And then and um, right. it's a possibility. I can't say I believe, people ask me if I believe in ghosts and I don't, I can't say I believe in ghosts, Mm -hmm. but I can tell you about interesting anomalies that I've recorded and documented that I can't explain.
0: Understood. And we're going to get into, uh, into that here in a moment. But going back into some of, uh, some of the things you worked on, how exactly were you approached at first to enter these secret projects, Albert?
5: Well, I was, I was 17 years old and let's see, I think 18 when I was 18 years old, I was a crew chief on the Lockheed U2. Um, I had a clearance. Um, that Lockheed is the U2 is a Skunkworks vehicle. Correct. So once you get in 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 that area, in that uh, small knit family of Skunkworks, it's when I left the Air Force, it was uh, easy. I mean, I almost got drafted into the uh, the Stealth fire program. This, you know, 117A. So, so back then we didn't have a name yes. for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was senior year, senior spirit I think it was back then. So um I immediately got, you know, I went there and, and the doors were open for me and I went from one skunk works program to a civilian skunk uh, works I program. See. And, and being in that environment and having the military background and um, going to school for it, Um, All of this started falling together, and I just stayed in the Department of Defense programs for a very, very long time. Um, I worked on the uh, rotary launch system for the B-1 bomber, which launched uh, nuclear weapons. I worked on, I'm responsible for the flight controls on the B-1. I'm responsible for a lot of the hydraulics on the landing gear system. And um, I just had that 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 secret, you know, Department of Defense. Beginning at 17 or so. That's pretty wild, it just by carried, the way. Carried through until late in the, into adulthood.
0: Yeah, wild stuff there. And you also worked on the, the cupola.
5: Yeah, I was, I worked on the cupola on the space station. That's, that's also mine. Um, yeah, wild stuff yeah, again. It was the, you know what? If I could have done it for free and they would have paid my, my, uh, mortgage, I would have just showed up every day with a smile. I would not have taken a paycheck. It was like, I was a kid in a candy store. I I cannot even describe to you what it's like to stand on the wing of the stealth fighter when no one knew it existed. Yeah, wow. And it was being put together, and I was helping. mm -hmm. I I can't even, I would come into work every day and go, oh my God, I can't believe I'm here. Yeah, great times. And that's how it was with all the projects. I've been fortunate enough to work in and then ending up on the space station. Meeting astronauts, I'd fly to Johnson Space Center and help train them in the, the big pool on how to assemble the space station. Um, I got a chance to go into the vault where the moon rocks are. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how overwhelming and exciting it it has been. I'm, I'm truly, truly oh, yes. grateful.
0: It sounds like those were some great times you had there.
5: Um, I thought I would always be in aerospace, and I never thought I would leave.
0: Understood. And working on the GPS, did you ever think it would take off the way it, it would, having it on everyone's cell phone now?
5: No, I didn't think. I didn't, since we were doing it for the military, I didn't think of it having any application beyond that. I knew the military were using it for guidance systems and munitions and things like that, weapons systems. But I didn't think of actually... Uh us civilians using it to navigate around because at first it was it was secret, so that's why i didn't but uh as it turned out um it it's really surprised me and i I use it a lot myself in my car in my house uh in the drones that I fly um I use it a lot myself, so no i had I never would have predicted it
0: yes, and we still depend on twenty five satellites currently correct.
5: Correct. You're correct. And the Russians also have a system can't remember exactly what it's called, but the Russians also have a, a similar system that uh civilians can use also. And some drones ah, use, them, use
0: it. Interesting. Very interesting. So what was it like when you first got that call, um to work with the SDI project, the strategic defense ah, initiative?
5: Well, it wasn't a call really except for I guess uh let me think how I went from, let's see, I went from the B-1, yeah, I was on the B-1, and I went to Seal Beach, California, where uh, the new SDI building was being constructed, amazing, top-secret building mm. that is, mm. you, when you see it, you know something's very odd about it. It has no windows, it's kind of amazing. But um, I went to, I think I went to GPS first, and then while I was sitting in GPS, because I had the background. Um, and they were beginning FDI. Um, I think I talked with my boss and he asked me if I would be interested and I said uh, of course. And the next thing I know it was know, I was already at Seal Beach because that is where Seal Beach, California for anybody who doesn't know where Seal Beach is, that is where GPS is built in Seal Beach, California. And uh, also some other uh, spacecraft are uh, built at the Space and Satellite Electronics Division that I was at. So my boss said, asked me if I'd be interested, and I said, of course. And um, I had to get an upgrade in my clearance because I had a I had a secret at that time, and I had to go from up to two more levels two right, secret right. gold. Mm-hmm. And uh, the FBI had to do another investigation on me. And after that period, because uh, you can't go into it until that's complete, when it was completed, um, I was offered the job. And I went over to Strategic Defense Initiative Building, and worked on amazing, amazing stuff. That uh, I, I, I know why I got the nickname Star Wars program.
0: Now, for those who don't know, the intent of um, this project was to develop a uh, sophisticated anti-ballistic missile system in order to prevent missile attacks from other countries, specifically right the Soviet Union. Isn't that right? Isn't that ironic? Exactly.
5: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was a, a basically a multi-layered shield. Uh, of uh, of vehicles capable of detection um, tracking and destruction of intercontinental ballistic missiles that uh could have been launched from the Soviet Union or from uh missile from uh submarines um and it um that's when the part that that's when it starts getting kind of tricky as far as what I can talk about it a little bit right right um but um it's capable of uh, uh it, w- it was back then the fledgling uh uh program was capable of of de- defending against multiple ICBMs and uh which is there? I think because each one has uh, multiple warheads too, so it's capable of, of that, and it's definitely capable of uh, a rogue attack by a rogue nation, where there would only be a few.
0: And do we still have anything like that in the skies?
5: Um, not that particular generation, but definitely um, maybe a gen- something generations down down line. Understood. We wouldn't give that up. We that's something is not going to go away because the threat never went away. It just it just you know, the Soviet Union broke up but that didn't mean anything because there's more countries with the capability now than there was when I was working on it. So that never was going to go away. Uh this is the this is what I I'm personally excited about uh and find comfort in is that the we had the capability let's say I worked on it in uh nineteen ninety. So we had the capability in 1990 and here it is almost what, 30 years later? Yes. Um, And and everybody knows, imagine the cell phone technology in 1990 and compare it to what we have today. That's the same, except it may even increase more. So whatever we had back then is unbelievable today.
0: I can only imagine what we do have and have never been told at all about it or even um, i guess even given a hint that it it existed
5: well you, well there's a lot of reasons and one of the things they used to tell us is you cannot either you cannot confirm nor deny so i can't say yeah i can i can't say anything because any type of thing gives persons information when i was on the stealth fighter program um, that was in Burbank, California. Skunk Works. Um, I think it was. Let me think. What, it was a pres uh, um, one of the presidents, Jimmy Carter. It was Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. Um, yeah. He mentioned the stealth fighter, and he mentioned it on the on his, in one of the addresses. And when he mentioned it, we got briefed where I was that the Russians had launched a satellite that comes over. Burbank, California, where we were, mm. every 12 hours taking pictures after that mention. So, wow. you can't talk about it because there's, you know, once you acknowledge it, then there's people who want to know what it is. And, and, uh, it's, it, you know, that, that, uh, what that does is that forces you to put up, you know, barriers and, 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 and ex, and, um, ex- exert efforts to keep it, you know, secret. So, it, yes. the best thing is not to talk about it at all. And the fewer people know about it, the fewer people want to uh, try to look into it and, and steal your the, secrets.
0: I agree. Yeah, it's um very interesting. All these all these uh, projects that we don't know about. And again, I'm sure you have the time of your life working on these things.
5: There's some yeah. It was it used to. You know, I worked with guys who actually worked on the Apollo program, which was awesome. And it's just amazing the type of minds and intellect. That we have hadn't had back when I was working with them uh, at that time, who who were really uh, uh, looking into the future and were and they were they're visionists and had these ideas and sometimes it was just a concept and how they could make that concept turn into fact was just mind blowing. So I'm sure uh, we have a lot of those people today. Um, I know one of them uh, and and. And they produce amazing amazing projects and um I I think it's gonna go on as long as there is a possible threat to, you know, the the country. And um and, and also, you know, there's there's some positive things. It's not all about defense because defense to me almost sounds kinda negative when you sure. think about it. You know, there's some, some positive things that have happened that have, uh, technologies have, have been developed that have moved into civilian life, like GPS and into the space program too. So there are some benefits that have, are benefiting us in science and technology and things like that, and not just in, in, uh, the military or Department of Defense, uh, programs.
0: Certainly. And I'm not sure if I've ever talked to you about current event, current event, uh, topics um, anything related to current events and any any time I've talked to you um, and I have to say what a week it's been none of us are dead so far um north yeah, Kore- yeah and <laughs> north korea yeah. held their parade and they rolled out numerous weapons that The military had there and some people believe they are capable of hitting us here in the United States. And we kind of saw that they don't exactly have the technology yet to reach us here, but the fact that they are still definitely trying to hit us says a lot, don't you think?
5: Um, yeah, and I live in California, so I think about it.
0: Albert, Albert, I'm still, I'm still here and right on the San Andreas fault line. And I'm always concerned about this since San Diego is always a target.
5: Well, that, the, the West Coast was the primary threat from, uh, um, uh, North Korea, I'm assuming you're talking about. Right, yes. Um, that, you know, I've, I've, I've I'm really, uh, amateur enthusiast when it comes to weapons of war and technology and things like that. So I, I've been, uh, paying attention and, um, I, without guessing because when it comes to something that um weapons of mass destruction and capabilities and and things like that you don't want to guess and you, and that and I heard some people say well they they put them out there and there there may be uh shell weapons where they just look good but they uh, don 't have function yes. and that is probable because of the past tests they've performed, which have failed. Most of their tests have failed. Yes. So um, that, has, that is they haven't had a lot of successes, and successes lead to capability. So that's a positive in regard to that. Um, time is a factor. Uh, it, it, you give a person time, they, get to, they figure things out, and then the other factor is if anybody who's already figured it out comes in and tries to help out a little bit. So this is something that is, is a ticking clock that is going on. Um, uh, one of the Another positive is um, defensive capabilities because we have figured it out. It's not something we're trying to figure out anymore. We can shoot down ballistic missiles. We,
1: we do, have yes.
5: have been doing it for a long, long time and we've gotten pretty good at it. So that's a positive in regard to this. But the the reality uh, is is that we don't need to do any of this. This shouldn't happen on this planet because it's a very small planet, and we need to start, start thinking of ourselves as one big family because, uh, yes. like Reagan said, when he started the strategic, strategic Defense Initiative Program, he said, what if we were attacked from beings from the, another planet? It wouldn't matter so much our differences that we have here because we're all human beings. Right. So, That's, you know, and, and with discovery, uh, if we discover life on Enceladus, let's say, because now that's the big question, because of the, they're saying there's oceans bigger than that on Earth, and we know how deep in our, uh, oceans, there's still life around the thermal vents. So, There's a possibility that there could be life in our own solar system, which we never imagined. But if there's life in our own solar system, then that the implications of that is there's life all over the universe. And that's what we need to start looking at, and not so much globally as we do, but we need to start looking at, at, at life and our existence in a cosmic level, where we're all part of something very, very big. And we're unique, and there's only a handful of us on this little dirt ball we call Earth. Oh, yes. And after that's gone, that's it. So we need to start thinking about things beyond our little petty squabbles and our because differences, uh, genetics, and nature has bestowed upon us and start looking at pulling it together and putting our minds to something greater where we can make humanity a great thing and rather than all the troubles that we have seem to be creating amongst each other.
0: Very well said. Amen to that. And I think we all are on the edge of our seats. We are only, what, four months deep into 2017, and things are insane, I would have to say. Um, Right. It almost seems like we kind of are, in fact, entering the end of days almost. It, It seems like every day we get closer to some sort of weird nuclear holocaust. And, of course, there's rumors of alleged EMP attacks that can or can't happen. Uh, this is exactly another reason why I wanted to ask you about EMPs. And mm. is there anything out there that could potentially harm us?
5: Yeah, um, uh, electromagnetic pulse can wipe out our electrical grid. I mean, computers, Internet, cars, auto, automobiles, right. airplanes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's very capable of that. Uh won't necessarily affect the military because the military is hardened against a lot of that. But uh civilians, which we are soft targets, definitely it that's very p- possible. Um um North Korea doesn't have that capability. EMP. They may have a nuke if they can get that and the nuke will generate some of that, but a pure EMP uh weapon, they don't have that capability. So that probably wouldn't happen. Um, at the most, I, I saw a report that they have maybe anywhere from 5, 6 to 12 uh weapons um, whole and even fewer uh that are an ICBM or ICBM capable. That's a low number and we're more than capable. Of taking that out. I mean, when we were using the Patriots uh, missiles in Mm -hmm. um, in Iraq during Desert Storm, they had they didn't have 100% kill uh, effectiveness. It was I think it was 80 to 90. But that was a long time ago, and you think about back then. So um, now we can hit a bullet with a bullet. And if it's only a handful, I really don't think that that, if we're awake and not asleep at the wheel like they were during Pearl Harbor days, right, right. When they, yeah. I see some things on the horizon, oh, those are the bombers. But if we're awake and alert, then we, I believe that we definitely have the capability to fend off uh, a, a small first strike. According so I know a lot of people are worried yes. and, and, and sure. we should be, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything uh, that's going on. Yes, this is probably, in my experience, and I'm a, a military guy, um, in my experience, this is the closest we've been to something this insane in a long time. I don't think it's been this insane since the Cuban Missile Crisis, oh, and yes. a lot of us didn't even know that was going on when it was happening. So, um, yeah, we this is the closest we've been, but uh, on a positive note, sometimes it's darkest before the dawn. And this may be our wake-up call to never, ever let this happen again. Uh, we've become complacent in a lot of ways. We get stuck on our own little heads about what's real and what's not real, and we think our lives are not going to ever be affected by that and no one's going to call us on it. But maybe this is a wake-up call that we, as a civilization, need to grow up. We need to get it together and we need to start dealing with fact and reality as fact and reality presents itself and and realize there are ramifications for things and, and there's there's things that happen uh that we have to be responsible for as a species. So this may be that wake up call because I I, I guarantee you there's a lot of people are paying attention now, probably more than I've ever seen.
1: Oh yes. And
5: that's a good thing, and that's a good thing because if you're alert, you can do something about it and, and, and change the course of, of history.
0: And I think you're right. I think lots of people are, are having that wake up call. And speaking of which, it seems like bunkers have been soaring through the roof after all those military strikes from Donald Trump. Right. Um, these very luxurious bunkers for billionaires, and they have this in quotes here, um, have been being built for a number of years now. And I guess they are really skyrocketing.
5: Right. Well, that happened once before, and it's happening again because, like I said, the threat is is real. It's not pretending. And, and this this uh, generation of humans have not experienced that. I mean, we weren't around. A lot of us were little kids. I was five years old when the you know, or six years old when the, the Cuban Missile Crisis was going. So I didn't know anything about that, and we weren't uh, aware of of the. Uh, the, uh, the escalation that was going on back then. But now this is a new generation of people, of humans, and uh, a lot of us have grown up, you know, spoiled. <laughs> Technology is to yes. play with. Mm-hmm. It's not for, you know, the things that we've used it for in the past. And, and now this is a reality. I mean, this is a wake up call where we get a splash of cold water in the face and we realize, whoa, this is where we are and these are the toy, the, the devices that we've been Playing around with without a, a whole lot of responsibility. And, and I think that's, you know, in, in, uh, that regard, it's a good thing that we are alert. It's just, uh, we can't become complacent. And we can't drag our feet on doing something about it.
0: Certainly. It just thinking about a, a whole nuclear situation and, and the fallout from the radiation. That would be horrible. Truly horrible for
5: generations to come. Yeah. Yeah, would, um it, there's no positives to it whatsoever.
0: There's no going and back after that.
5: Yeah, there's there's no positives and it's going to affect the not just us, it's going to affect the plant life, animal life, uh, all kinds of things uh for a long 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 time. Um so that's something you don't want to take the lid off of that ever. Uh something that we need to bury and keep and and humanity needs to stop playing with it. Um because we're going to get burnt, and it's going to be a burn that's going to last for hundreds of years. You know, you don't play with this type of, of fire when you're an infant civilization.
0: Sure. And hypothetically speaking here, what exactly do you see in the next um few years to come here, if we even have that?
5: If we have if it comes to that exchange? Sure. Ooh. Well, um military wise. Okay, that's how I have to look at it. Um, it's not gonna be much of an exchange. It's gonna be very one sided and it's gonna be very tragic afterwards and it's not necessarily gonna be here. Unless some other people get involved. Then That's what I fear. Who knows? Then yeah. who knows? Because other people can bring their toys to the table. Exactly. But as it stands right now, one on one, it's not gonna you know, I remember I was on the space station when Desert Storm started. And I remember I was. I'm an old military guy, so but a lot of the civilians I worked with, who'd never been in the military or even in Department of Defense, were panicking and thinking, "Oh, we're Saddam is going to attack us over here," and and they didn't understand what was really the the dynamics of of our military machine. They didn't understand that. So, and, and and you can you know history shows that you can see how they really didn't have much of it. Really wasn't much of a skirmish. It was, it was overwhelming, you know, what right. happened to to the Iraqi army. So that's kind of the situation today. Is there's not really going to be much much of a skirmish. Uh, it's not going to be. I mean, when if one person dies, that's a tragedy. So you know, I can't say that that's not going to happen. Uh, of course, but it's not going to be overwhelming. It's not going to be like taking on uh the, the the former Soviet Union or even Russia or or China, it's not going to be like that as long as those players don't get involved. Um, it's going to be uh, a one-sided um, exchange.
0: Understood. And I'm glad I asked you because I don't think I've ever talked to you about anything current before.
5: I don't think I ever talk about that too much.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't blame <laughs> you. It. I don't blame you. Um, before we move on into the paranormal. I believe there were two other questions I, I've got from other people. One of those questions were if the work of Nikola Tesla was incorporated into the SDI uh, program, if there's any validity, validity into that.
5: No, not in the area that I was involved in.
0: Understood. It's all, um,
5: the, the data is has a lineage that goes back a long, long, long time. We build upon our knowledge. So the, the, Technology that we developed and the capability has the, you can trace it all the way back to very, very early, uh, types of, uh, uh, technologies and things like that. And, um, it's, it, it it didn't, what I was involved in didn't involve, it, it didn't, um, incorporate anything that I know of from, uh, Nikola Tesla. Even though, um, I mean, understood, there understood. might be some other programs out there. Mm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some, Matt, one of the things, when you have a clearance, this doesn't mean you know everything in every secret program. Right. There's exactly. a, a firewall that's called a need to know firewall. And unless you have a need to know, you can't just be curious. Hey, I want to find out. No, it doesn't work that way. You won't find out. Uh, so who knows what else is out there, but regarding the programs that I was involved in, which was a lot of them, um we we did not incorporate anything from Nikola Tesla.
0: Understood. And on a lighter note, someone actually asked this. Someone asked wanted me to ask you, Albert, if, if you're married because they are in love with you.
5: Someone <laughs> they yes. the- yeah, I'm blessed and I have a, a wonderful wife. So but but that that is the greatest compliment I think anybody could ever receive is someone <laughs> saying that they love them. So thank you very much. That's, That's hilarious. My heart.
0: <laughs> so, uh, moving on now here, crawling, crawling along we go here under Pell Moonlight, uh, Dr. Albert Taylor. How exactly did you get into the paranormal? I know you experienced the sleep paralysis. I, I in fact kind of remember you saying you had an experience, um, seeing some sort of shadow person.
5: Yeah, I was yeah, if you want to call it a shadow person. Um, how I got involved was you know, during the course of having these out of bad experiences and trying to teach myself about them because that's basically what I was doing, is I began to realize that I was actually having visitation with Deceit's relatives, which is mind-blowing to even think about it and to say it so casually as I'm saying it now, but that's what was happening. And, I, and, and one of the things um, I realized a long time ago as a paranormal investigator is that you can't build walls up of, uh, in the paranormal uh, arena. You can't say, I'm only going to look into out-of-body experiences, but I'm not going to look into ghosts. Right. Or people who see spirits because they're connected and I believe that's what's wrong right now with the paranormal community as a whole maybe not everybody but in paranormal researchers and television programs that's what's wrong with them is that they're stuck in this circle of going around uh, investigating the same old thing and not, not bringing forward any added information and trying to understand it's like It's like orbiting the Earth and never going to the Moon or to any of the other planets. All you're going to know about is the Earth. Right. And I think that's what's happening right now in a lot of areas where we need to branch out. We need to look at... uh, uh, parent uh, anomalies, humanoid uh, anomalies that, that people call spirits and ghosts. We need to look at the connection between uh reported astral substance from uh, many people talk about. There's like this cloud gaseous substance while you're out of body and the, it's possible relationship to dark matter. We need to look at those things. If you don't look at those things, we're never going to understand exactly what they are. We're going to keep showing, you know, playing EVPs, and we're going to keep saying, "Oh, there's a little girl in this room who needs to go into the light." We're going to keep doing that, and we're never going to grow beyond that to understand the full picture and the full, um, and to fully understand what is the nature of human consciousness. So I, that's how I got into it is because I wanted to not only have my own, I documented my own personal experiences, but I wanted to have some tangible evidence and, and photos and things like that that backed up my personal experiences.
0: Earlier, I had talked about horror movies and, and horror films and uh, that sort of thing. Are, were you ever a fan of that?
5: Oh my god, I'm... I'm still a fan. I have seen – that's probably what terrorized me more when I was having out-of-body experiences (laughs) in the beginning when I was a kid because I'm a fan of every horror movie you can possibly imagine, and every horror movie I've ever seen, the good guy always ends up – Something bad happening to them. So uh, when I was having I uh, by experiences, all of those movies I had seen as a kid and as an adult came to mind and 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 terrified me. I love them to this day. Oh, that's hilarious! Zombie movies.
0: Oh, okay, so you're a zombie fan. Okay.
5: Uh, since I saw the Night of the Living Dead, George Romero's version at the drive-in when I was a kid. Oh wow. Yeah, I've been a fan for a long, long, long time.
0: I liked uh, re well. Obviously, that's the original is fantastic, but of course, growing up a little later in time, um, Return of the Living Dead was always my favorite because it's a Mm -hmm. later version, different different director though. But
5: um, I looked fun, and it was humorous. It was funny. Yeah, a little
0: bit of humor in there. Yeah. But, But yes, George Romero is of course the Godfather.
5: Oh yeah. He he's the in, pretty much kind of outside of Haiti and, and Haitian religion, he's the inventor of the modern day uh zombie or walker, whatever you want to call it. Undead, living dead.
0: hmm And speaking of which, are you also a fan of the television show The Walking Dead? It seems like everyone is.
5: Um, since day one. I like and I like I said, I've been I have before it even came out, I have Dawn of the Dead. I have, I have it on DVD. I have, uh, the Return of the Dead. I have them all. Love that. And I have computer games that simulate that. I've been a fan for a very, very long time. Uh, so I remember in the paper seven years ago or almost eight years ago now when they announced that there would be a series, uh, The Walking Dead and I have seen every episode religiously and, and keep up to date. So yes, that's a long way going around saying yes.
0: Halloween is your favorite holiday, isn't it?
5: I love Halloween. I love Halloween nice. for a lot of reasons. First of all, it's scary and stuff. But I have, I'm a member of a robotics club out here in Southern California, and one of the things that members our members do is they create animatronic things to put outside the house to scare people. Robotic things. So it's, that's always a, you know, fun having a, a guy sitting in a chair. It looks like it was a person, but it's really a robot and he sits up and looks at you or whatever. Oh, so, I like that. Yeah, it's one of my favorite times.
0: <laughs> that's hilarious. But yes, um, you are in the Riverside Robotics Society, right?
5: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we okay. meet once a month in Riverside, California. We have open, uh, uh, membership where we have, uh, kids from seven years old to 80 years old. Who are members. And we, we teach, uh, seven years old, seven year old beginners, uh, beginner, uh, robotics and programming, and we have intermediate and advanced.
0: Very cool. Very cool. It is
5: a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I'm right currently, I'm working on my project is, uh, a robotic, uh, uh, steward minion. Cause nobody's done that yet, so I have Uh, a robotic steward minion. I think
0: I saw that on, on your Facebook page, if I recall.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I'm working on that one right That's now to cool. get them to respond to, to commands and eye gestures and the, eye, the eyes, both eyelids work, and the, eye, the eyeball works, and head and shoulders and arms and all that stuff. So I'm working on that right now.
0: Robotics have come a very long way, and if we look to our neighbors in Japan, they've gone off the deep end with robotics and um, other kind of uses for them, much more well, like controllers, related controllers.
5: Which is kind of the brains of different robots. It's gotten uh, smarter and smaller, and 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 like drones, for you know, to mention drones, drones are basically a lot of them are flying robots. They're very smart, and I, and I have a couple that are extremely smart. So we're living in a great time where yes, we're we developing are. all these uh, technologies for amateurs to be able to use. You know, you know, I have a, a controller now where it's so easy to program, where I remember I used to have to program my other controllers with C+, plus and C++, plus plus. and now I have one that's almost Windows menu-driven.
1: Oh, my, So yes.
5: So technology is, is is really advanced. It's advanced it's, right. got, it's gotten to the point where it can put these type of devices in the average uh, everyday person, and that's exciting.
0: And is this group also, I guess you could say, are are they also on board with, with the paranormal group, do they know about that sort of thing?
5: They, I've done. They know about me doing it. Um, they don't have any oh. involvement in. it. Oh, okay, they're not into um, that either. They're, they're always. I've done a couple. Uh, we have uh, a yearly, or we used to up until just a couple years ago, a yearly robot expo. Well, we had like three thousand people or something show up, and I've done uh, a presentation. I lecture every, uh, year on my involvement and now my usage of different robotic vehicles for paranormal investigation. And exactly, my group, right. you know, that was one of the things that, uh, they asked me to do is I've done a presentation to my group on what I do. So they, they know what I do, but I'm, right now, to date, to my best, uh, uh, knowledge, uh, I'm the only one that uses robots during paranormal investigation that I know of. I saw a television show a while back, but, I use semi-autonomous, so that means they can uh, execute commands on their own. So I think I'm the only one right now doing that.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I had no idea.
5: Well, it makes sense if you think about it, Michael. I mean, when we investigated the uh the planets, what did we use? We use robotic probes, right? Correct. So that, that's what when, that's what we do when we can't go there physically. We use robotic probes for not only space, for ocean, for cave, uh caves. I mean, that's what we do. So it made sense to me several years ago when I was presented with a investigation I did out here in Rialto, California, where it was a hundred and or maybe a, a century-old home, where it had hidden passageways and things like that oh,
1: cool. that hadn't
5: been disturbed in 60 to 70 years. And so the last thing I wanted to do is have a bunch of investigators rushing through and going through this area disturbing all this, you know, this, this evidence that was in there a very, very long time. So that's Mm -hmm. when I came up with the idea of using robotic probes to probe these, these places where humans were either um, contaminated or there was too small for humans to even gain access to.
0: Yes, and that definitely does make sense to incorporate different things of that nature especially for hey, you know the paranormal. thing is,
5: is uh, one of the things I was I was noticing cuz after doing several investigations is the investigations is and if you've ever played telephone in school where the teacher whispers something to the first person and then they whisper it all the way around the room and by the time it gets to the last person it's totally changed well that's how we are as humans when we observe something we don't always see or catch the, the, the same thing, or see it the same way. And what I noticed is that my investigators were documenting some variables that didn't match. And that robots take that out of the loop, where they just document exactly what it is, regardless of their, they have no belief system or desire. They just document it. And that's what I, I, it was such an added bonus where I was able to collect data Without being contaminated by human wants and desires. Very, does that make yes. Sense?
0: Yeah. For sure. And I
5: mean, we all want to see a ghost. We all want to capture a, you know, fully formed humanoid apparition. That's what we all want to do. But subconsciously, I, I, you know, we might be describing it leading in that direction when we shouldn't be. And that's what the robots eliminated. That.
0: By the way, Albert, before I forget, any word on any new books in, in coming to fruition here?
5: I'm still working on one. I, you know, one of the things problems I have is that I'm I'm not satisfied with what I'm presenting yet, and I have a lot of data, and it's called um, um, Journey of the Cosmic Soul. I'm working on it, and it's about 20 years of. Of my investigations, my paranormal experiences and things like that. But the thing is, is I, they're not vignettes. They're not just isolated, non related, uh, occurrences. I want to draw the links. Like I said, that's how we learn things. Draw the links between all of us and actually moving out into something beyond the planet. So that's what I'm doing. And, and because, the the jury is still out on dark matter right now, and I think that's very closely related to some of the things that I've described and talked about regarding the uh, and on the other side and the astral world, uh, because that's just now coming out when science is able to measure that. I think that's going to connect a lot of things for me, and then I will put that final chapter in the book and get it out. So that's all I can say. is I just want it to be real and and as inclusive as I can make it, and that's why it's. Taking me a while.
0: Understood. Yeah, I I definitely feel like your next book is just going to be as popular as the first one.
5: I, you know, um, spiritually, uh, I'm not going to even think about it because I'm shocked that it did. It became a number one time bestseller. Anyway, (laughs) I'm shocked that it even got on the bestsellers list. So one of the things is I always say a prayer um, before I do any lecture, before I write or anything, and. my prayer is, um God, once again, people have gathered to hear your truths. Please use me as a vehicle and guide me, teach me, lead me. That's what I say and that's what I do. So I don't get attached to whether it's going to be successful or not. I just want to make sure that if the information in there is usable by other souls. That's what I focused it on.
0: Excellent. So let, let's get to the photographs you sent me in the email. Albert, and the very first one is a photograph that was taken at a major home repair store before it opened, and it's, right. a, it's a photo of a, a broom
5: there's three um I can't yeah, it's hard to see the the last one, but there's three, and there's one uh halfway down oh, and there's yeah. another one further down I see um, it now. what i I got contacted by this store, this chain of stores who said that something peculiar was happening in one of their stores and that their employees were reporting these uh, uh, abnorm- these anomalies. So what I did is the night before when the night crew left, I was made sure that I was the last person in the store. I wanted to walk around and then the store opened up at 5 o'clock, I mean, 5.30 in the morning, half hour before they let in customers. And I made sure I was the first one in the store at 5 o'clock in the morning. And walk through the aisles, and that's the picture I took. So, something did happen the night before. It has motion sensors and things like that that didn't go off. Uh, I have no explanation for it except that this is what I captured being the only one in the store.
0: And the broom is just upright in the photograph, if anyone goes. Right. Yeah, if anyone yeah, goes to the a, Twitter, too, there.
5: the broom is just standing upright, which, and it hasn't that would happen quite often. The brooms would, and I thought well maybe there's a customer doing it or maybe there's a night shift guy who's playing a practical joke and that's why I tried to eliminate the, that possibility and I, when I came in and saw this I was surprised that's pretty surprised. yeah that's
0: pretty wild looking at it now again and it's just it's pretty crazy for those who want to yeah. see it go to my twitter page go to my twitter profile there on michaeldeacon.com left hand side of your page and you'll see that photograph right now. And, of course, I'll put those up uh, before I, I finally close up here uh, on the website, rather, and uh, I'll leave those for everyone to see. And I, I believe someone's calling here. Um, do you mind taking this call, Albert?
5: No, not at all.
0: Whoa, okay. kind of loud there. Please turn that down if you don't mind. And, oh, this is Star. Did you have a question for Albert?
4: Okay, am I still too loud, or is this okay?
0: No, you're cool. That's good.
4: Okay. Hello, Albert. Hi, Star. I have a question for you about robotics. Sure. Hello.
1: Ooh,
0: Kitty in the background.
5: Yeah, yeah, sure. Go ahead.
4: Yes, yeah, that's Intrepid. Can Albert hear me? I can't hear him.
0: He can hear you. Yeah.
4: Oh, okay. Uh I want to know whether he has seen the second series, the 2003 through seven series of Battlestar Galactica, and Will robotics ever reach Cylon level? I, my other part to, of it about Battlestar Galactica. Hang up so I can Could hear you repeat what she said? Michael? I can hear him on the, uh, Skype.
0: Oh no, I, you both were kinda of talking there. Um can you, can you repeat yourself, Star? I'm sorry.
4: I wanted to know whether he had seen the 2003 to 2007 series of Battlestar Galactica. Oh,
0: 2003 to 2007 you said? Of yes. Battlestar Galactica? Yes. One of my favorite shows. Battlestar
4: yeah. Galactica, the second series. And mm-hmm. whether he thinks robotics will reach Cylon level as, uh, oh. as was mm-hmm. in <laughs> the uh, series. And I'm going to hang up so I can hear him. I cannot hear him.
5: Oh no. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Yes, I that's one of my I remember the first series uh, so I watched them all. Uh the ones with uh, uh Dirk uh, Benedict and I and I watched that and then uh I was a big fan of the new series of Battlestar Galactica. So yes, I did watch it. Um and yes, I you know um the you know the the robots I I think yes, will we have humanoid uh, robots capable of bipedal function, able to walk on two feet and, and interface with us, uh, similar to that? Definitely, most definitely. It's very difficult now to get a, a robot to walk, and you've, you've probably seen a lot of the robots falling over, but with new gyros and, and uh, technology that's miniaturized and, and new gifted people coming up with ideas, yes, uh, we will be able to duplicate human uh, uh, capabilities. I mean, just, it's very difficult now because just coming up with hands was difficult. Now we have hands that, uh, people who had amputations can work. And that are, uh, you can pick up, they're so precise where they can pick up an egg now. So to have, uh, an intelligent, uh, android, uh, robotic, uh, companion, definitely we are moving to in, in that direction. And um, it was only a matter of a, a decade or two where that will be a reality. Now, whether they turn on us, um, I doubt it because, uh, I mean, I've built a lot of robots, and not one time did I think about designing into its capability uh, or designing into its uh, framework it, the capability to not listen to me. Oh, wow. <laughs> not one time <laughs> that that's the whole thing is I want to build it so it would do what I say not to give it uh and if it does have a choice it's not going to be anything that would conflict with the direction or directive that I have established for
0: it. Yes, seriously. My goodness. Yeah, everyone's been talking about transhumanism for a while now here. Man machine. Well, I think we're going to be bionic I think we're so too. Kind of yeah, I think you we're ready.
5: Just a matter of time.
0: Mm-hmm. I was just going to say it's only a matter of time. Every... Yeah, we're mm-hmm.
5: we're going to do that, and there's going to be a lot of people who couldn't do things that are going to be capable of doing things now, and I think it's going to be a blessing for a lot of people who have different um, uh, uh, deformities, uh different tragic accidents that have, mm-hmm. have taken away capabilities and limbs and things like that. We're going to be able to. Uh, improve the quality of life for these people by giving them the capability to, for instance, to just stand up and reach to the top shelf in the in your kitchen to have a can of soup. There's a lot of people who can't do that, and we take it for granted, uh, things like that. But we're going to be able to give people the capability to do these things, even though they've had um, horrific spinal uh, injuries.
0: Yes, and I'm I'm on board with you fully on that one. I always felt, well, why wouldn't you want to take something or, or I guess in some ways mesh with something that would improve your life? Why, why wouldn't you want to do that?
5: Well, we're already doing it. I mean, they're, they're, they're not, you know, tucked away neatly where you, you can't, you know, hide hide it from the public. But I've seen devices that help people who aren't capable of using their legs go down the stairs. I've seen uh devices that we've come up with to help people get out of bed easier and actually stand up where they get they're taller instead of sitting in a chair talking to you, they are actually standing up in 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 devices. Um, um, I think Robert Downey Jr gave a kid uh who was missing an arm. He gave him a a, a uh uh robotic arm that functioned uh, um, it was an amazing capability that looked like Iron, Mar- Iron Man's arm. Oh, so my, yes. So we're going to be able to do these things. We're already doing them. And I always think that in the future, we're not going to be able to tell the difference between the recreated device and the real thing.
0: By the way, someone else now joins us here on the line. I believe it's Sherry. Did you have a question for Mr. Albert Taylor?
2: I do. I have a question for you, Albert. Hi, Sherry. Hey, Michael, I'm having trouble hearing him, too.
0: Oh, Can gonna you hear me? No. I'm going to oh.
2: spit out my question, and then I'll listen back to hear it. <laughs> he could okay?
0: hear you, though, so don't worry.
2: Okay. All right. Okay, Albert. With all the things as, like loose, dark matter, crossing into the light, the light could be the false life, reincarnation, and all these kind of things. When we go out of body and we run into, like, deceased loved ones or angels or... Michael Jackson. Are these like, are these really those people? Are they helpers and spirit guides trying to act like these people or how do we, and how do we tell the difference? That's my question for now. And I'll hopefully you'll come back on again and I can call in and ask you something else. Okay. Well, regarding the are side. they
5: really these Thank people? I can only speak to my own experiences and the encounters I had with my deceased aunt. That was my deceased aunt because this is the thing is you're not showing up during these encounters with eyeballs, with your physical eyes. You're not showing up during these encounters with ears where you can hear things. You're not showing up with your skin and hands where you can touch things. This is all consciousness and consciousness doesn't... doesn't contaminate unless uh, your your fear is involved in there. If you're not fearful, you're going to perceive exactly what's happening, and you're going to perceive it on a deep, deep level. Like one of the things that I re- I remember, and I wrote in my book about my encounter with my my aunt. It is that changed my life as far as life and death because I realized I was exactly the same thing that she is except I have a body to go back to and during that exchange, I I realized there is no death. She was obviously not dead and and I've even challenged the concept of a punishment because my aunt wasn't the greatest person in the world that there was a hell, I think she probably was in there.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) That's hilarious. What
5: a nice person. <laughs> so oh my. so the, that, that all, you know, I think. And, and the thing is, about it is that uh, the exchange that I had with her stays with me to this day, not like a dream. Like you were talking about your experience, how you still remember it to this day. Oh, yes. So I would say yes, that's where, I, uh, you know, I always say well, if you want to go into the uh, astral plane and you're afraid of spirits, that's like going into the ocean and being afraid of fish. That's where they are. That's where you're going to encounter them. And, and I definitely think that that we uh, we live beyond the physical body. And the encounters I've had, which have been with more than one relative, um, I haven't talked about uh, and I don't talk about it usually, um, my mother passed away a few years and I had encounters with her. So um, I definitely feel that uh, uh, we do have these real-time encounters with our deceased loved ones and um, that uh, they're very, very aware of how we feel and the life experiences that we're going through, especially when we're saddened and we're mourning for them. I think they're very aware of that.
0: Well said once again. I, I've been agreeing with with everything you've been saying here tonight, Albert, and uh, moving along here with, with that next photograph is of uh, someone's leg that looks a little bit cut up and bruised slightly there. Yeah.
5: So this was a 13-year-old girl. Her mom called us. Uh, she lived in Palmdale, California, not too far from Edwards Air Force Base. Uh, everybody knows about that. Uh, the shuttle used to land there in California. Um, and she was reporting being attacked by something and scratched repeatedly by something. Uh, the daughter was. We showed up at the investigation, and the first thing, because I'm always skeptical, when I, when I go into these things, and you should be, skepticism is, is very healthy. Um, and my female investigator followed the little girl around everywhere, uh, even to the bathroom, with her mother's permission. Because I don't know if the child is acting out and trying to get attention for herself. I don't know what the dynamics of the family is. I have no idea. So in other, for me to try to eliminate that, you know, there's certain steps I would take. While I was there and while I was watching this, and this is one of the situations that I was describing to you that I had to keep a poker face, but inside my head was all kinds of crazy, exciting, you know, all kinds of crazy, excited thoughts, where I actually watched something scratch her, I watched the red mark slowly appear, and and, well, and over start swelling and actually start bleeding. Now what's interesting about these two pictures? is that on her thigh? it looks like an upside-down V with a line through it, but on her her back, the same upside-down, it's, it's inverse, the same symbol with the line through it. So we thought that was, and we watched this appear, so whatever it was, was trying to show us, I believe, that this wasn't random, that this was intentional, otherwise these two symbols would not look alike.
0: Yes, it's it's quite fascinating, this photograph. If if anyone's curious, go to michaeldeacon.com and look to the left-hand side of your screen, and you'll see this photograph. A girl was attacked and scratched during the investigation, which is pretty frightening.
5: I, I have the camera in my hand, and my other eye is looking directly at the scratches, and I have to say I was amazed because first she said, there was nothing there and first she said, it's burning, it's burning and then slowly you could see the scratch mark and these are just the beginning. There's others on her back that are like a, a, a triangle Yeah. Uh, mm. and these started slowly appearing and there's uh, a couple on her back that looked like those three fingers that scratched her. So, there was nothing there and they slowly became visible, and actually, like I said, began to bleed. That's and that, I, crazy. I, it just blew me away. I was amazed at that.
0: And this was in California, right?
5: This is in Palmdale, California. Palmdale, okay. um, We did uh, some, we like to investigate, we go to the, the um, uh, and check out the, the deed of trust and, and the history of the property, and one of the things we dug up about this particular property is that the owner had committed suicide on the property in a tree out front of the house, Oh wow. Uh, and also, yeah, that was a coincidence or not, I don't know. Also, there was a hit and run, uh, in the street in front of the house of a little boy that was killed by a hit and run driver. So we had these two things that occurred in relationship to this house, and now this new family was there. Another thing that happened was the little girl, um, her parents were divorced. Her father lived in Downey, California, and one of the recommendations we made because it was summertime is that while during school break, maybe it would be uh, advantageous for her to move to her father's house and just get out of this area and let's see what happens. Well, she moved in with her father for now. She's permanently there, but she moved in with her father, which was going to be three months, and the um, the incidents had ceased to, to happen. They stopped. Okay. So that uh, that's another indication that it's centered around the house. The mother also started complaining about having some things happen to her, and so did uh, uh, a younger daughter talk about So that t- led us to believe that whatever was happening had something to do with the house. Also, Jeez. we had various um, uh, readings, uh, electronic field meter readings, in a particular part of the house that we could not explain.
0: Well, I'll tell you something, Tal- uh, Albert. I-, I would never want to be there. During that investigation,
5: it's um, you know, you know, I, you know, I can only say this. This is what's strange about this is that uh, when we were called at this to this house, we arrived and the uh, the woman, the mother, said that she had some paranormal investigators that were there before us, and whatever they found scared them so bad that they actually left their equipment there. Michael, I still have their equipment. She gave it to us. I have it. I use it. I would never leave my equipment <laughs> wow. anywhere and I still to this day I have their laser temperature sensor and I have that stuff. They never came back for it. Wow. Never called, never returned. And I have it to this day. That was strange.
0: That is very strange because normally people don't leave expensive equipment laying around like that.
5: Not at all. I would, ne- I have never left, I have, uh, phone cutouts for the different types of tools that fit in my case, the different devices, and I check those cutouts before and after every investigation to make sure that all the equipment is, is accounted for. I never leave it and I still to this day, have their equipment.
0: I think that says about everything
5: right there. That says it all. It's, it's, it's it never happened any other investigation I've ever done. So something happened that uh, terrified these people. But I've been in, in investigated cases where something has happened to an individual who wasn't a, a paranormal investigator, but it scared them so bad that they refused to return back to the site. That's happened on more than one occasion
0: Wow, I don't blame him and and of course, the next photo is one of your investigators who was grabbed by something and it left a, a bruise on their arm.
5: this was a real strange uh investigation um yeah, this guy's been on my team for ten years maybe a long 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 time um, this house uh that we went to um and I think it was in uh Glendale California somewhere um. Strange things happen in the room. I also have some other pictures of this gaseous anomaly that's floating in the bedroom. But one of the things we noticed is that when we would go into the bedroom, our cameras would fail and, I mean, it literally stop functioning We and, and we'd walk out of the bedroom and then they'd start working again. Another thing that happened was we had rapid battery drain, draining in in, this, in the proximity to this room. So all our fresh batteries that we had for different devices the power drained out of them rapidly like they that in all of our batteries and that never ever should have happened and then one one of our during the investigation one of my investigators, investigators said that she felt something grabbing around her around her throat which oh, we actually God. had to stop and and attend to her to try to stop or uh, alleviate this situation and while that was happening this investigator with their bruise on his arm went into the bedroom where we were having the difficulty and this happened to him something he called out and he when he came back out within a few minutes after it this bruise appeared on his arm
0: you know albert so i don't I, albert i've
5: never don't know exactly what was going on with this house mm-hmm. but there were definitely some physical occurrences
0: you know, Albert, I've never actually gone on to any kind of ghost investigation. I I think I should probably go with you since you've been around these very uh, hostile, I guess you can say, investigations. Wow. Well,
5: I, we well, you know, um, we often take people. That's, I mean, we we've taken a lot of people. Um, there's a few questions and things that I need to know before people go. Uh, one of the things is that if you're afraid, then it's it's recommended that you don't go. Because a, a person that is afraid usually attracts more uh, paranormal activity to themselves. Uh, so that's really important. Um, but it's the most fun you could have. It's sometimes, I mean, there, sometimes nothing happens. But then when something does happen, it makes it all worthwhile. And I have to say, even though I've seen a lot of weird things over the years, it's still almost unbelievable that this happens. But it's fascinating.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And then, of course, the next photo is of uh, Valencia, California, a humanoid image, uh, I guess, reclined on a bed in a, in, a, in the back of a bedroom, it says here.
5: Right. Now, this one was really interesting. We got a call from the... This woman said there was knocks and voices in this back room uh, of her home. Uh, so, and, and this may look like it's taken during daytime, but it's not. The light around the window it's night vision. That's why it's uh, illuminated like that. So you can see the subtle image of something reclined on the bed that's semi-transparent, and it was only uh, we were only able to photograph it using night vision. Um, you know, I, I, this is something I look at this and I go, why would the go lay there? I don't, I don't understand why you do things like that when you're dead or on the other side. I am like, <laughs> yes. why are you doing this? What, exactly. What, what's going on? Right. So this is uh, something that I have a lot of questions about, but definitely there was, uh, something laying there on the bed that, uh, we did not see with the naked eye.
0: And below that is, uh, it says here that you captured this anomaly, which uh, briefly appeared at the end Michael? of this walkway. Hello? Oh, did I lose you, Albert? Hello. Albert, I'm still alive here. Are you there? Oh, no. Seems like I lost Albert there for a moment. Uh, I guess I'll give him a call back here. Um, great conversation we were having here, and then that happened. So, yes, everyone bear with me here. I'm going to try to give him a call back here. One moment here, folks. Don't worry. Oh, God, I hit the wrong button there. I didn't mean to mute myself there, folks. But, yes, I was talking to Dr. Albert Taylor, and then the call dropped, which was horrible. So here we go again. I'm going to call
5: him back. Oh, we got disconnected.
0: Yes, we did, and that's terrible. But now the sound is back uh, to perfect clarity now.
5: Great. Well, I don't know how much you heard. What What did I leave off at?
0: Oh, we were talking about this strange anomaly which briefly appeared at the end of this walkway.
5: Oh, okay. Okay. Um I'm hoping my phone doesn't go out on me. Oh. Uh hold on I'm gonna change phones just in case here. Go ahead. It's cool. Well, uh, yeah, and okay, yeah, um this this is a compound uh and up by Angeles uh crest uh In California, uh, this woman uh, had strange occurrences, very large compound, as a matter of fact. There were nine houses on the compound, and she lived in one of them. Um, there was some occurrences happening around the pool area and on this walkway. And while we were walking out of the, the uh, pool house, which is behind us, there was this image that appeared at the end of the walkway. Uh, we took photos of it, and by the time we got down to the... Uh, where it was, it wasn't there anymore. And we returned and took some, some, uh, photos again from the same place and there was no image there. So I don't know what that was. Um, it doesn't have a humanoid shape of any sort, but it was an anomaly that, uh, was temporarily there and then it disappeared. And add that to what the, uh, the client was describing is that it, uh, uh seemed to be some type of paranormal occurrence.
0: It's a very lovely house, by the way.
5: It was amazing, amazing. Yeah, I like could Like being I could in tell. the middle of this, this giant uh, uh, resort. It was amazing.
0: Yeah, it looks nice. I like the pool. I like all that going on back there. It's yeah. like a it was nice house. really
5: fantastic. lady was from, um, I think, Yugoslavia, which was uh, interesting, too. So she didn't have uh, – it was diff- different from dealing with um, a person who's from the States because they're – Perception and their experience with paranormal is very different.
0: That house, you know, sort of reminds me of the whole Heaven's Gate house, the whole cult there, Mm. if you recall.
5: I'd never seen anything like this. It was amazing. Huge. Like I said, there were nine homes. That she owned on the property.
1: Oh, wow. She owned and nine it homes?
5: All, it was all like a forest from one house to the other. Wow. Beautiful, amazing place. Yeah, it was amazing.
0: Yeah, well, Beautiful. That, that definitely beats that house then if, if she has all that going on. My God.
5: Yeah. Crazy. It was, it was amazing. We walked to some of the other houses that were there, and they're empty. She lived there by herself, which was amazing.
0: Very wow. cool. And, uh, the next photo was taken by the Riverside Police who unofficially requested that you guys investigate this, uh, 100 year old home, which of course was abandoned at the time. And in the right front window is a small humanoid image.
5: Right now, this is, I like this photo, the history of this one, uh, uh, quite a bit because while we were, there's a, a graveyard, uh, uh, here in Southern California that's about, Maybe three to four hundred years old. So there's some graves there dating back to the 1700s. Um, And so we were doing uh, 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 investigative sweep of the graveyard because it's listed as one of the top 100 or no top 20 haunted places in California or something like that. While we were there, we were approached by a a squad car, who actually drove up to us and said, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" And we said, "I explained to him uh, what we're doing," and he said. I had this picture while I was on patrol, I took of this house and uh, I want to show it to you. So the police officer pulls out this picture and he shows it to us and he says the house is right over there and he takes us over there to the house. And by this time, uh, uh, some, some people were moving in and introduced us to the people who later on ended up calling us because after they moved into the house, all kinds of paranormal things started happening. So at the request of the people who lived there and the police suggesting that we talk to them, that we actually did a weekend investigation. And this is what happened. It was really interesting is that the next door neighbor, I think, he was one of the elements that was really fascinating, because they were having a dinner party at his house. He's right next door, to the right of that house. If you if it pulled back a little bit, you would see his house. And while and the neighbors from this house were at his dinner party, they said they they had needed a bottle of wine or something that they left in the house. And the neighbor said, I'll go over and get it. She says, Okay, go through the sliding glass door. So he leaves his house the side of his house and walks over to this house that is in front of us, the little image in the corner, and it was dark, and he was getting ready to open the sliding glass door, and something appeared on the other side of the sliding glass door that scared him so bad that he ran, dropped everything, went back to his house, and he refused to go to the house ever again. We tried to interview him, and he refused to uh, <laughs> even talk to us. Wow. He was terrified. So Yeah, I was amazed. He was uh, terrified so bad at what happened. And uh, during the, the people who lived in the house, uh, we got a chance to get in. They were reporting. Um, it has really odd little loft at the very top too they were reporting footsteps coming down the stairs of the loft and the the mother said she was coming down the stairs that's where her bedroom is and there was a man standing at the bottom of the stairs he wasn't looking at her he was just standing there and she said it terrified her because she thought it was a burglar but then when it became transparent and disappeared she realized that something strange was going on and that's when she contacted us too
0: yeah and that photo was was pretty crazy by the way. I haven't seen anything like that.
5: Uh, yeah, that image this house was empty at the time. It's a hundred year old home um th- This is a very strange neighborhood. All the homes circle or are built around a graveyard, a big graveyard there and a lot of them are empty. Because I I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want that view looking at my front door and across the street of the graveyard. So this is a very strange area where a lot of the homes are empty. And we began to investigate and talk to some of the other neighbors. And a lot of the neighbors around the graveyard are having paranormal occurrences. One lady reported broken glass. Uh, in our home and a, uh alarm clock thrown down the stairs mysteriously and little things like that. We investigated several homes in the area and they all seem to be affected by the proximity to this graveyard.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty creepy image for those who are following along with us here at com and of course later on I'll, I'll put all these photographs on the website after the interview is done so people can see that for themselves but yeah, this is a pretty wild image and I right. know it's I know it's not a photoshop. I know it's legit. It comes from you
5: and Well the fact that the police came to us that that would just that's 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 a, that's never happened before. We don't right. get the law wow. enforcement helping us. <laughs> it doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, that's something else there. Yeah. Interesting. And you know, looking at that, that sort of reminds me of um I'm sure you've heard of this, the black eyed kids or black eyed or black eyed children.
5: No, I haven't heard of that. Really? Is that similar to The Shadow Person?
0: No, it's just something that has been reported for a long time now, these mm-hmm. these children with black eyes. Uh, it's mm-hmm. been a, a little urban legend
5: for a long time. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I'm familiar with that one. Oh, I'm surprised. I, I figured you might it, have it, heard It of that. vaguely sounds familiar, but I can't think of the storyline behind it. I can't think of the history behind it.
0: Yeah, cause I'm looking at that photograph and that's the first thing that popped in my head. I'm thinking maybe it's a child. Yeah, black it appears to be a small child.
5: person. It's not full, I mean, uh, a person standing at the, the, it's not like the floor was reset, so mm-hmm. a person my size would be filling up maybe three quarters of the window, but this is a very small humanoid shape, Um at the house, and the house, like I said, was empty. And the photo was taken by the police, so all those and things together really add to oh, the yes. uh, the uh, curiosity of uh, this image.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty authentic photograph, especially since it came from the police.
5: Yeah, yeah, that's that adds a lot of credibility to me I have really, never had that experience
0: before. It really does, and I'm really glad you send me you sent me this photograph. That's it's it's stunning.
5: My pleasure. I think I have some other things that maybe I'll share with you in the future too. Awesome. That I find amazing. Yeah, so there's there's more than this.
0: Yeah. Got to send those in. And of course, the next photograph is it says of a color TV, uh, night vision, remotely operated and semi. I guess this is some sort of what is this a a, a robot?
5: Yeah, this, this a I love this little thing. It it can do everything. It. Uh, it is the first part is it's a, a, a tread vehicle. It has tank treads. Oh, it has okay, that's
1: what I'm looking at. Night
5: vision at. capability. It has motion sensors where it can detect movement. It has it's, you can program it on the fly, which means you don't have to be in the same room with it to send it a program and it'll upload the program and act accordingly. It's semi-autonomous, where you can put it in a robot mode where it will actually monitor an area and record uh, any type of sounds or motion in the room. Um, It also will follow a pattern that you can lay out for it to patrol a particular area, which is awesome. And then one of the things that I added to it is because I've been getting into uh, autonomous drones and and drones, period, is that I would run into cases where we could only go so far and there was something further beyond or above us that I wanted to uh, view or photograph, and that drone that's on the top has altitude control, altitude hold, and it is capable of being piloted via the headset below to actually investigate areas that the drone, that the track vehicle oh, will, take yes. mob- will take the drone to. So you ride into a particular paranormal environment with the track vehicle, and then you can fly around the environment with the drone. Jesus. It's awesome. It's
0: pretty heavy stuff. It takes a little practice
5: to learn to fly, but I've gotten pretty good
0: at it. Yeah, the semi-autonomous robot with a micro drone launch platform. Yeah, I was just trying to, trying to look at this photograph and try to decipher exactly what it is without Really reading? The yeah, it has sound.
5: Right? Uh, it has microphones on. It can Crazy. do a lot of things, and um, I really like. It. And you're getting color photos, so you can actually get real-time color uh, monitoring, like a CCTV. Uh-huh. And it also, you can get night vision on a remote uh, base station. Also, also the drone can send it send You see it in the antenna. It's sending back a video frequency on 5.8 megahertz and you can set up a base station to monitor it also along with the controls to fly it
0: now that's just cool and
5: it also has a return to home feature too so you can hit that button and the drone will return to uh the uh, uh place of origin
0: amazing stuff so you also modern
5: technology has uh-huh. jumped ahead mike that's why i was i'm capable of doing things today that I wasn't capable of doing 15 years ago or 10 years ago when i started investigating paranormal. So our technology has increased to the point where we can do things now that are amazing and the more amazing things we can do uh, as far as these camera platforms is to capture data that we never were able to capture before. So this is adding pieces to the puzzle so hopefully when we put enough pieces together we can see what the big picture is.
0: Very true. And you also brought with you some EVP clips that I believe you recorded, right?
5: Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, I recorded these.
0: Okay, nice. Yeah, let's play those. And before I do, I I do have to tell you, the last time I played some EVPs on the program, it was years ago, and I Mm I was at a friend's apartment, and he was helping his grandmother move out, and everything was kind of put away except for, you know, the couch and the TV, and there was pots and pans and boxes, and we were doing the show, and everything was going normal, and once we got into playing the EVPs, I heard a loud crashing sound, and that's when my friend ran out the door, and I didn't really say anything about it at the time during the show. I thought, well, that's kind of unusual, but whatever, the show must go on, and uh, later I find out that something must have physically grabbed uh, a pan and thrown it against the wall and mm. I have to tell you it, it was just me, my friend and his grandmother in this apartment and his grandmother is very sick and basically she's confined to uh, the couch there so she mm. wasn't getting up and doing no it. way she could have done it. No, not at all and I always thought that was fascinating and of course I mentioned this to my other guest earlier on and I told her that I, anytime I, I bring this up to my buddy, and he's since moved away, and anytime I try to bring this up to him, he switches the, the subject rather quickly.
5: Well, it, you know, one of the things that I've noticed with victims of the paranormal because um, I believe a lot of people suffer in silence regarding this, is that uh, it challenges everything that you believe. You know, it challenges your religious belief. It challenges everything, and it, and it destabilizes your security. So when people experience that, it has a profound effect on them. Uh Sometimes, you know, they lack a lifetime. Like, the neighbor that I was talking about, he refused, he was so terrified, he refused to even talk to us. And I've known quite a few people like that because they don't know what to think. They have no frame of reference. They don't have anything to draw back on their personal and historical uh, lifetime experiences to rationally explain this. So they end up sinking into this, this whirlpool of confusion and fear and that, that happens all too often sadly. That's one of the reasons I'm motivated to do what I do. Is because I want to help people who have no place else to go that are having these kind of experiences have some somebody there to not only support them but explain to them what's happening and hopefully give them some peace of mind.
0: Yes, and I think you're doing a good job with that. And um, let, let's get on with the EVPs here and, and, okay. not, and not creep everybody out. Well, we're going to creep them out further.
5: Yeah. These are these are kind of creepy.
0: Yeah, I I just realized what I said, and I thought, well, I take that back. These are rather creepy. And the first one, right. the first one I'm gonna play is uh, Get Out. Okay. All right, let me load that up here.
5: Now there's two EVPs in that one. The first one is You Get Out, and then the second one is Help Me. Did you hear that?
0: Let me play that over again here.
5: Yeah, and also, this is the third thing about that EVP. In mm-hmm. the background, you hear it beeping, and when the first one right. EVP starts talking, that's an EMF meter. So the EMF meter went off at the same time it started talking.
0: Let's play that again.
5: And did you hear that help me?
0: I could barely hear it on my headphones there. And yeah, I
5: would... The first one was, you get out, yes. I'm, uh, regarding the EMF meter, that's on another EVP, that's not that one. But uh the first thing you hear is you get out, and, and then the thing, next thing, it's like this um, raspy, deep voice that says, "Help me."
0: Yeah, you're gonna need some headphones to make that out. For those who um, are listening through a speaker, I would recommend you um, wear some headphones to to get that.
5: Yeah, it is, turn it, turn it yeah. up, and and hold your breath while it's happening and listen.
0: I'll play it one more time here.
5: Another thing in that one I, I remember is that moaning that you hear. That yes. That wasn't us either. So there's moaning wow. in there also.
0: Yeah, that that is rather odd.
5: Yeah. So there's a voice in the beginning, there's the moaning, and then there's the voice, um, help me.
0: One more time here for those who didn't hear it the first time.
5: That's one of my favorite EV, EVP clips.
0: Yeah, I could hear it that time way better this time
5: Yeah. When I focused exactly. What I do is... With, sit with the headphones in a quiet room, and I listen to these things 50, 60, 100 times over and over and over again, and the more I listen to it, the clearer and clearer I got it, and I realized, oh, my God, this is a great uh, sound bites on this, this <laughs> EVP. Yeah,
0: pretty wild stuff. And it and sounds
5: like more than one individual.
0: Yes, it seems like you captured multiple things, and one right in the beginning, too.
5: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a fascinating one. I like that one.
0: I agree. Thanks for sending me that one. That one, that that's a great one. And I believe the other one is I'm trying to leave.
5: Oh, this one, there was no child or uh, little girl or anybody like that in our in our uh, in our group and at in that room at the time at all, even in the house. So the 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 child voice you hear was was something paranormal and was definitely not from a physical person.
1: Why do you
5: keep coming here? It says, I'm trying to leave. Wow. Yeah, that one. The investigator, that's what my investigator says. Why do you keep coming here? And I, I have a pause and then yeah. it says, I'm trying to leave. And because of the, the pitch of the voice, and everything, it doesn't match anybody that was there. And one, we have a strict rule, is after you ask a question, you don't say anything for several seconds, because it could contaminate mm. the EVP. So I know it wasn't anybody in my team, and the voice was very clear that it sounded like a young person.
0: Yeah, yeah I was gonna say it sounded like a, a young girl.
5: Yeah, exactly. And the person's house that we're investigating had reported seeing a young girl and people in her bedroom who were dressed dressed in 18th century garb.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, let's play that again.
4: Why do you keep coming here?
5: I'm trying to leave. Yeah. Now, that, that's interesting. You know, people talk about souls that are, uh, because they died in one way or form or another, and it was rapid, that they aren't really aware fully that they're dead. Uh, I don't know that, um, but this uh, particular anomaly appeared to be have a desire to not be there, but was incapable of doing that.
0: Wild. Wild stuff. I think that one's even creepier than the first one.
5: <laughs> well good that's great i'm glad to hear that
0: one more time
4: why do you keep coming here
5: yeah it's just my people talking a little too early but okay. you can definitely hear the mm-hmm. the, the young voice i um, uh stating, uh, making a sentence, which is rare too. You only sometimes you only get a couple words, or yes. yeah, we call them indiscernible, where you can't even make out what they're saying. But that de- definitely sounds like a sentence.
0: That was really clear. Yeah. And then the next one.
5: Um, now this one, let me do a little setup for it. Okay, go ahead. If you don't mind. No, go ahead. Um, this is not my voice. You'll hear me ask, "What is your name?" This is on the Queen Mary. Um, I thought it was in Canoga Park, but this one's on Queen Mary, and you'll hear the voice actually uh, tell me his name, and I didn't, and because you can tell I didn't hear it with my, my physical ears, because I keep talking afterwards, so it wasn't until I played the recording back that I actually uh, heard the response. What is your name? You hear that? It said Johnny. Johnny. And I said, please talk to us because I didn't hear it until I played the recording back. I think also there's the. Uh, it's hard to hear on the phone. There is the EMF meter going off in the background when it says Johnny.
0: Let's play that one more time. What is your name? Yeah, you could hear it right at the end there.
5: Yeah, and I said, please talk to us because I didn't hear it. And then when I played back, it said Johnny, and I thought, oh, my God, we did capture something. That was kind kind of amazing.
0: Yeah, that one's actually pretty creepy, too.
5: Yeah, and you can clearly hear it says Johnny. What is your name?
0: Yeah, that one actually is really creepy.
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very clear. Uh, you know, all of this, it amazes me when we go out to these places and I was, I was so skeptical in the beginning, but we, I kept getting sound bites of non-physical dialogue. I mean, if people, some, something is able to communicate and leave impressions on the tape without vocal cords. That's amazing. Doesn't have vocal cords. Doesn't even have a physical body. Exactly. And it's able to leave English statements, uh, sound bites on on tape. That's amazing to me, Michael.
0: Oh, it really is. It's like how how is this even happening? This phenomenon. Yeah. It's, and and it's, and it's also
5: adding to the whole scheme of things, what we are, you know that is not. It's not something that wasn't human. And so we're still connected to it in some type of way. And so that means what are we that we are capable of doing these kind of things regardless of having a physical body?
0: Yes. So, Albert, I I do want to ask you, um, before I let you go, since we are coming to a close in in this interview, and I must say it's been a fantastic interview so far with you. Great time here. It's been a pleasure. We've talked a lot about different things, um, a few things we've never talked about before and i've always appreciated that that you're very honest with me here on the program
5: that's important to me because um, i'm just interested in in information and facts and that's it i'm not trying to sway anybody's opinion either way because i wouldn't want someone to try to do that to me but i'm i am trying to provide information for people who are already wondering what's going on and luckily i've been provided a vehicle and I've come up with different vehicles to allow me to do that. So um doing all this for people and providing information and, and capturing this type of thing feeds my soul.
0: Very, very cool. So once again, I, I do want to thank you greatly for being here on this program. It's been an honor and privilege to speak to you again, and I hope we do it again in the near future. And before I let you go, I'll give you the final word and, I'll let you plug your website.
5: Uh well basically um I think all of this is about uh fear and and fear of the unknown, fear of death and things like that and if we survive the the death of the body and go on to some type of physical reality there's nothing to be afraid of. So don't fear the end and and concentrate on the journey and on the life journey before we get to the end, because I think that's what it's all about. That's why we're here. We're here to affect each other, and we're here to love each other. So focus in on that and not the uh, the, the the end of the journey.
0: Beautiful stuff there once again. So thank you for being here, being a fantastic guest. Uh, everyone just has nothing but positive things to say about the interview so far here tonight.
5: My pleasure, Michael. And I forgot to mention my website is alberttaylor.com, so it's really easy to remember.
0: Oh yes. Once again, thank you very much for being here, and I'll talk to you in the very, very near future, Albert.
5: Sounds good, Michael. You have a great evening, and we'll talk to you soon. We'll
0: do it again. Bye bye. Right, good night. And that was my guest, Dr. Albert Taylor. Fantastic guest, as always. I hope I hope everyone enjoyed that interview there. I really did i thought that was fantastic i want to thank dr albert taylor again and jenny ashford for being my guest here tonight great show folks i'll return next week to give you another dose and never forget if you have any funny impersonations of myself or other listeners please feel free to send those in at mike well actually michael at michaeldeacon.com that's michael at michaeldeacon.com If you have any comments or concerns, go ahead and send those in. Any questions, I'll actually take the time every now and then and read those out loud. I do apologize. I will get to those eventually. 2017 is already off to a wild start, wouldn't you say? If you enjoy this program and want to keep it moving forward here and expanding, please feel free to donate any amount. Go to michaeldeacon.com, right-hand side of your screen, and donate. I profoundly appreciate it. God bless you. Tonight's been a bit of a rattlesnake, hasn't it, boys and girls? I hope this evening has been enlightening and entertaining for you. Another profound episode in the books, I must say. I bow my head in respect to you for listening. Always an honor and pleasure to be here. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time...
4: Out, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, we <laughs> the, the yeah. are Oprah I Bush Bush could Bush. tell oh, that, that the all the mainstream media,
1: media, media outlets were giving me like bullshit. Like,
5: right? can see all it? all it's clear. <laughs> It's crazy. I had no idea this shit existed before 726. Oh, Granny, I like Granny. I'ma keep real.
1: A lot of good content. A lot of, a lot of cool
5: topics. You, know, you know, I feel, you know, fortunate to have an opportunity to speak to you guys tonight. You guys are, you guys are really good. Yeah, guys. Mr. Russet. That son of a bitch. I, do, I like that man they just the simplest You go in there, you all Just for what it's worth, I wanna put in my two cents to tell you both that you have First one major. of the
0: most incredibly well-rounded shows. Still virgin. Guess what,
1: motherfuckers?